ficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts, Christiana Ellis, Chute Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Hello everyone, welcome to Season 8 of Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing Episode 6 of Game of Thrones, titled The Iron Throne, with no sp- It's done! Hey! That's it! <laughs> What? We made it! <laughs> Woo! We came in for a landing. We're Woo. on the ground. It was shaky. It was shaky. Yeah. I think a, it made it approach. without blowing up. There were there were survivors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Chooch. As always, I'm joined by Christiana Ellis. Hello. Nutty Nookchus. Hi, everyone. And Vivid Muse. Hi, guys. So yeah, with quick quick reactions. So um and Christian had posted online just non non spoilery your overall uh, thought. Uh I found myself as the episode progressed going, Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, like this, yeah, all right. And I just kind of kept doing that through the whole episode. <laughs> and so by the end, I was really like, Wow, okay. So it it retroactively makes some things that previously made me angry and makes them make a bit more sense, which is not a defense of them exactly, but we'll talk more about that. How are you, Nettie? Pretty much the same. Um, Like, I've got my nitpicks, but there were a lot of things where I was like, yeah, that tracks. Okay. Um, There there was definitely, you know, like a, all right, that surprised me, and and, and there was one twingy emotional part for me, but... um, Mm -hmm. I think with what they had, they did the best that they could. Uh, I think that um, they did a good job. Um, it is a million times better than the last two episodes. <laughs> so, yeah. And as series finales go, they did what they did. They, you know, they, they didn't fade to black. They, they did didn't what they leave, did. They didn't yeah. leave anybody going, wait, that's how you end it? You know, yeah. there's there's no... Yeah. I mean, there are these ideas of like what's happening in the future and so forth, but mm-hmm. there's no like, oh, but how can that be a finale, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is the big issue for sci fi yeah. fans. How about you, Viv? <clears throat> Pretty much exactly what Christiana and Nettie have said, you know, definitely not a perfect episode as far as the episodes that we've seen before that are perfect in my opinion. <laughs> um, so it, it was good. I was, I was happy with it, but I'm also pissed because I, I feel like we deserve more than just, yeah. Okay. That was, that works. Yeah. That, right, I'm happy. Right. <laughs> I, so I'm, yeah. I'm grateful that I'm here at this level, but I'm also salty that I'm at this level <laughs> where I'm just like, Oh, thank God. It wasn't like nutty said as bad as the other two episodes are, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It's like, we shouldn't have gone there and it would have been, I'm just going to say this one time and then I'm going to let it go. But if they had done the full slate of episodes, like we all kind of, I haven't heard a single goddamn person besides the showrunners say that 13 will do it. We all kind of mm-hmm. feel like 20 need, were needed, 20 were needed, but you know, I, I I'm a little annoyed at the choice because I feel like it definitely left it a lot emptier for me. Mm. on a lot of the story arcs and the conclusions and things like that. But 
I mean, they did bring it home. They did. I'm satisfied with pretty much everything that they did. You know, there, there were some that I feel like were just to like, make sure that nobody could speculate. Well, maybe, maybe they lived after all. No, no, we saw them. They didn't live. (laughs) Move on. You know what I mean? So I feel like that was just like closure and also to show us why he was, why Tyrion was thinking what he was. But I mean, it was a good episode, you know? Yeah. I'm going to say it a lot more, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? When you when you do factor in the fact that it was a season and series finale, they did a good job. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. did. I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. (laughs) You you know, obviously, we'll discuss lots of fine points. Um, Normally, we'll say news bits, and these aren't really news bits. It's more like reactionary stuff from last week Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, that was in the news. Um, Something that we discussed was Daenerys uh, making that choice, hearing the bells and making that choice to burn the city down and, like, whether and what the motivations were. And... Uh, Benioff and Weiss, or one of them, I don't remember which one, but said, um, I don't think she decided ahead of time that she was going to do what she did. Uh, and then she sees the Red Keep, which is to her the home that her family built when they first came to the country 300 years ago. It's in that moment on the walls when she's looking at the symbol of the, everything that was taken away from her when she makes the decision. So, yeah, in his mind, it's a rash decision that she just. Well, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. I'm, I left out oh, the, the, oh, the cherry yeah. on top. Um, everything was taken her when she makes the decision to make this personal. Mm. What has this ever not been personal? Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, the thing is though, I, I feel like even though there was some initial people really upset about the choice, I feel like over the course of the week, people kind of got past that. Piece. Not that they necessarily yeah. were on board with it being an effective moment in terms of how it was conveying the story turn, but I think people kind of came around to understanding that the mo- the back the foreshadowing and the motivation is there. It's just not effectively communicated in the moment very well. Yeah. And it didn't come and, out of nowhere, and that she has always this has been her answer to everything. Yeah. That's what all, has always worked for her. So right, why but wouldn't it's she? Such, <laughs> it's such an illustration, though, of exactly what we're talking about. And when we say we wish there were more episodes, is that almost every failing in this season comes from a lack of just supporting connective tissue between these big events. Mm-hmm. That allows everything to kind of allows the story to support its own weight. Yeah. Feel more natural, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, speaking of you know, the other tidbit was that there has been an online petition to remake all of season eight, refilm it, rewrite it without Binyas voice, and it's reached over a million signatures. Yeah, it's so those awful guys who also <laughs> made all of the episodes you liked, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because like the first two episodes, the first three episodes of season eight, I still maintain were some of the best episodes of the entire series and these are also probably the same people that want 
uh the the last jedi and the force awakens yeah, and, it's, and the it's, mass effect to be rewritten it's like just well <laughs> somebody right. just needs to explain fan fiction to them so that they can write their own damn yeah, story yeah, yeah. well and and the thing is it's like uh, i i feel like there is there is room for a nuanced discussion of saying like media is not immune to criticism it is totally fair for you, for people to not like something and it's totally fair for them to say so. Um, but you know, you don't own it. And the idea of you're going to make someone else remake it. Like, you know, it's kind of a joke, but I retweeted something right before the episode was, do people watch misery and think Annie Wilkes, the Kathy Bates character is the hero. Right. <laughs> because yes, I do. <laughs> well, in that movie, that's even an extreme example where like the author character is deliberately being a dick about how he finishes the last book. Like he makes it bad on purpose because he's pissed at the people who are such a fan of the character. Yeah. And even then, he's still like the wronged party in that whole Thing. <laughs> you know, but you know, that's and that's not to say that people don't have the right to be upset that a show they liked before is going in a direction they don't like, but that also kind of just happens. That's been true as long as there's been stories. You yeah. know, yeah. I really hated the last couple of seasons of Dexter, <laughs> but I didn't start a petition about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just stopped watching Dexter. <laughs> you know, like it's for the best. Any anybody who knows my feelings about certain things knows when I stopped watching Dexter and when I heard about the finale, I'm like, yep. And that's the thing. If if you don't like how something goes, you get to write your own headcanon. In my headcanon, Dexter ends with the John Lithgow season. And that's yes. it. Mm. <laughs> season five is not terrible. But it never the show's never as good as season four, which is the yeah. John Lithgow season. Exactly. That's its peak. It's never that good again, and it's pretty steady downhill from there. And mm. I love Edward James almost, but yeah. yeah. There yeah. are good moments in the later seasons, but yeah. we're here to talk about Dexter <laughs> Game of Thrones. Now, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Dexter Cast. And so the, the last little piece was um apparently after all of the uh, guffaws with the Starbucks cup. Somebody left a water bottle next to Sam Charlie's yeah. chair. Two, <laughs> two water bottles. Yeah. There's, one, there's one behind under Davos's chair too. <laughs> oh my god! So silly. Yeah. So I uh, edit that out now. <laughs> yeah. So the actual show in the title sequence, I had heard that there was a change that King's Landing had a hole in the wall or something, but I didn't notice it um, and haven't had a when- chance to rewatch it. Uh, you can see that, uh, when it's the exterior of the whole of King's Landing, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of busted uh, up. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's, it's the steps that she ends up doing her flat flap on and <laughs> there's a big hole there, but there's also pieces of, of the structure that they're trying to rise and they can't, they're getting caught. Yeah. And then when you go over, um, the red keep, you see the big crack in the map. And then behind the throne, even though there shouldn't be a back wall, uh, the the circle that had the um, the lion there mm-hmm. is shattered, and there's nothing oh, in wow. there. Yeah. Cool. Do we watch that? Um, also, I want us before we move on to just yeah. take a moment and appreciate Natty's description of that amazing shot as when Danny does her big flap flap. <laughs> right. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. I'm sure that's what they called it in filming, too. This is a, a sincere appreciation of that description. There are so many memes already, and well, they are amazing. as there should be, because that might well be my favorite shot of the whole freaking show. Yeah. yeah. That's how good that yeah. shot is. Yeah. yeah. It was so good. Yeah. I, I just, my jaw dropped when that happened. I was, that was like... Right. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And us and John <laughs> were the only people who saw it. Nobody else in Westeros did because yeah. he hadn't walked over the crest yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the show opens with uh, Tyrion, followed by John, surveying the devastation of uh, of King's Landing, and uh, it's. Pretty damn grim, you know, as you would expect. Yeah. Women and children dead in the streets. Um, um, yeah. I want to just briefly touch on something that it continues throughout the episode, but I'll bring it up here and then I don't know that we need to keep talking about it. Uh, this episode, compared to the last couple, had a very different pacing, right? It's much mm-hmm. more slow and deliberate comparatively. Mm-hmm. Now, by and large... I actually really appreciated that. I really liked that. And that was actually, that's always been kind of my frustration with the battle episodes is that I like the quieter, slower moments where we get to see these little details. Uh, But uh, one of my favorite sort of media writers, film crit Hulk was talking about this episode in particular it was one thing to do slow. It's another thing to have long shots where nothing actually happens. And it doesn't even have to be a plot point, but a long shot where it's a minute and a half and it is just still Tyrion surveying the destruction. It's like, did we not get it after last week? Like, do we need that much time spent on wordless viewing of devastation and throughout the episode there are lots of examples of things where like like when we have the time skip and we're cutting to Tyrion in his cell he's got the big Mm -hmm. beard like I didn't time it but it's got to be like 25 seconds or something like that that is literally just him looking at the camera yeah with nothing happening and his face isn't even changing. And I was kind of, even that one is like, I like the slower pacing in general, but I was watching that just going, what is, what is the show trying to tell us with this right now? It, it seems like they just should have cut about 15 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just but, uh, horrified. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, uh, I think that by and large, I really liked the slower pacing, but I, think that it was potentially overdone in some places uh, where they did linger on long shots without really adding anything of value by lingering. I did notice in this season, particularly maybe there was a little bit of it in previous seasons. They did a lot of um, the, the, the soap opera (laughs) angles, you know, it's the, and close up on this person so we can see their reaction mm-hmm. and close up on that person. So we see their reaction. A lot of looks and no like talking, no action, you know, and, and it got to a point where I was like, all right, we're in a soap opera now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was distracting. Yeah. yeah. So in a new case, uh, you know, Tyrion wandering through the city and, and seeing the horror. And I, I think, 
to some extent it was needed because of course, while we saw the horror in the fight last week, it is important to show Tyrion taking that in. Right. Cause John but, saw it up close already. Right. Up close and personal. Yeah. Tyrion was down in the crypts um, and the gravity of what he's about to do. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so Grey Worm's about to execute people, and John's going to try to stop him, but has mm-hmm. no authority. <laughs> no I authority not queen or king. <laughs> yeah. I, Grey Worm is one of my, my things that I wasn't entirely happy with, uh, mm-hmm. just because some of this is not really the fault of this episode so much as it's the logical endpoint of some things that maybe should have been better thought out while a while back, mm-hmm. which is just to say we have kind of now turned the two armies of color back into the dangerous other that we have to worry about mm-hmm. because they're savages. Yeah. Like, and it's like, that's really unfortunate that that ends up being sort of the final take on those armies. You know, we, we get a little bit of a grace note with, uh, with Grey Worm that I did really like later, but I kind of, I didn't like that the way the story had landed put Grey Worm in that position. Like I, it didn't necessarily feel like it was out of character based on who he was or what had happened, but I just kind of feel like, if they had approached it differently earlier on, they maybe could have avoided that unfortunate yeah. implication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say, give it within a month. Dothrakis are fucking up with Stros. <laughs> They're yeah. in trouble. They're mm-hmm. in deep trouble. <laughs> well, <laughs> especially the with end, the unsullied army gone and there's no gold the company. End, so like, yeah. At the screwed. end, they show them getting on the ships. Well, the unsullied do. No, no, they show the Dothraki. Like, there's sound effects and so forth. In the wide shot, mm. when people are mm. getting on ships, you're seeing Dothraki get on ships, and you see John passing Dothraki on the dock. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess I could buy that, you know, yeah. in and, the sense that, like, kind of like the wildlings wanted to go back north. It's like, yeah. That's their, where their home is. Yeah. That's where yeah. they know stuff. They don't, yeah. like, they don't necessarily want to hang out in this place where nobody speaks their language yeah. and they're going to call guards and yeah. like their queen's dead. So like I could, I could see them wanting to go back, but they didn't really, they didn't yeah. focus on even, it for a nomadic they, they culture moving to a temperate show it. Yeah. They also yeah. didn't offer the Dothraki a place to go. They offered the unsullied, right. the reach, but they yeah. never said, Oh, you Dothraki. Um, if you'd like to settle somewhere. No, no, we're not. I'm just thinking, and you know, it wasn't even, yeah, sorry, a, a nomadic culture yeah. to come to a land with wonderful horses and a temperate climate and nice, soft people to rape and pillage. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it yeah. seems like a breeding ground, it seems like an invasive species. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, I think uh, that was true up until Danny bit it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's like it's not that hospitable a place if a, a ch- the chick with yeah. the dragon and all of them and all the unsullied and everybody else at her side. Right. Uh, and forget I, about Marine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously we're talking now about something like that's at the end, but I, mm-hmm. I think that 
there are certainly elements of this ending that your satisfaction level is probably largely dependent on how willing you are to let stuff like that go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just cut it off here. Don't think into the future. Yeah. To me, yeah. the Dothraki was the same as the White Walkers at, to the point that they never showed us their motivations other than they follow the Khaleesi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because these are all new Dothraki. These are not the Dothraki right. that were following her from season season one. Right. These are all the Dothraki that she you know, said, you're all my blood riders to yeah. uh, after she burned the calls. So these are brand new Dothrakis. And we have no investment in them. So they might as well be, you know, the White Walkers, zombie, the Borg, whatever. You know, they we just <laughs> don't care about them. Uh, from a writing standpoint, from a, yeah. this is what I want my viewers to pay attention mm-hmm. to. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Totally. <laughs> so, well, if not, fuck, this is what the Queen has ordered. We should probably go talk to her and we get Danny's flat, flat moment. It was mm-hmm. glorious, and of course, was yeah. the first thing that I looked for for the artwork for the episode because that's yeah. it. It's, that's mm, everything. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Who was it that said it? It was uh, yeah. April O'Neil in the chat says flap flap is a very technical term. That's right. Yeah. That is the Hollywood term. <laughs> right. Uh, everyone it, agrees. It's, it's awesome. So well established that we just immediately went with you when you even you know added mm-hmm. to it with the big flap flap, right? right. Like yeah. so. Well, right, we right. understand what a flap flap is, and so this is the big flap flap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, it's <laughs> definitely. Prestige. Yeah, I think it. There were many things about this episode. Uh, being subtle is not like one of its strengths. Um, I mean. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that was really on the nose, which honestly I didn't hate, but, but yeah, her up on the stairs looking down at all the people. I mean, even with like the color palette and how it's all just laid out, like you can really connect some dots between like third Reich image. Oh yeah. 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 Like that. The, Um, the passion of that speech. Yeah. And then it's, Every vision of the foreign invader, here it is, right? The and then you hear, we... Winterfell. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that she spoke to no one from Westeros, the fact that we've never seen those steps before, really. Uh, like they, they, they might uh, have shown Cersei walking up them, but we've never really seen the red steps or really understood the significance in the TV show. Um, yeah. The fact that suddenly she's dressing like Cersei, uh, you know, she went from white and grays and a very yeah. light color palette to as she started to go into her, you know, after the Battle of Winterfell, suddenly she's wearing these blood reds. And now that looks like she stole it from Cersei's closet and had it altered down to her. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're not being subtle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, on that note, I mean, mm-hmm. are we... If we're going in order, did we kind of skip Tyrion finding um, Cersei oh, and Jamie? Probably. Oh, that's important. Did I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. that happened before the steps, right? Um, yeah, I. You know, this was another perfect example of a scene where, if you're in a mood to be nitpicky about technical stuff, you can certainly mm-hmm. find some things in there, like they weren't really buried with that much rubble. 
Right. Um, also, it seems like if they had just been standing in another part of the room, they would have been fine. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, like, there were some things about that, and like, just the on the noseness again of, oh, it's just the gold hand sticking out from the rubble, and that's how he finds them. Like, mm-hmm. but, but if you're willing to just kind of say, okay, that's fine. Don't worry about that. That's not Little poetic. That's license. not what we care about. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Yeah. In that scene. He's so good. To me, that scene is, yes, we know a lot of you really didn't care about Cersei and Jamie dying. And it felt like it felt underwhelming and, and there wasn't that much emotion. If, if you didn't, if you didn't get the, the poeticism of them dying in each other's arms and comforting each other, we're going to show you how this affects Tyrion and make you actually care about their deaths because we've said it before when it comes down to it, Tyrion is all about his family. His first love is his family. You know, he, he tells Jamie last episode that if it weren't for you, I would be dead. Um, Jamie is his best friend. And when it comes down to it, whether he had a reason to set him free or not, he was going to set him free because it's his brother. Um, Mm. So this, to me, this scene is just showing us it's it's all about Tyrion and it, it makes their death do something. It it he's he's walking through these horrific images and he's you can see on his face. He's like, I can't I can't. And then he goes and he finds his brother and his sister and he breaks. And, you know, right then and there, he's like, I quit. I quit. I'm going to die, but I don't care. I just, I have to say I quit that I am not behind this. And um, like you said, Peter Dinklage, I mean, he's amazing. Uh, uh, I wonder if says Peter and Maisie should both be nominated for Emmys for this season, mainly the last three episodes. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I mean, I think I I thought for a little bit, like they were setting Tyrion up, like he was going to do more than just quit. Like yeah, maybe he was going to try to go up to her back with a dagger or something. Yeah, but, I I was afraid of that. <laughs> yeah, I thought he might. Although to some extent, I guess I can understand why. Like, although Tyrion has done some fighting stuff, I think that you know, I I don't think he had a weapon on him as they're letting him approach. He's not the type of person that carries a weapon. That too. And I think it's also, yeah, it's just, he didn't, he wasn't ready for that. He, he wanted to talk to her. Words are his weapon. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted to do. Uh, He wasn't ready to just stab her yet, especially given that the result would almost certainly be maybe he would injure her and then they would immediately kill him. And then what? Nothing. And as Mike says, Mike says, I love how he threw the hand pin down the steps. That yeah. spoke more volumes. I mean, if, yeah. if he's going to make an impact, her hand, her yeah. hand throwing his symbol of office down in front of all of her people. Yeah, I think that was so important about it, too, because on the one hand, hand, uh, <laughs> he, like he could have done this in private, right? Yeah. Like maybe he could have tried. It was interesting, I thought, that she, although she did mention, oh, you committed treason, 
she didn't seem like this was necessarily an automatic death sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She maybe was thinking you did something really emotional and now I'm going to make you kind of beg me to forgive you again. Mm-hmm. Like you have a number of times before, but for him to not only quit to her face like that, but make a show of it in front of everybody he was really kind of forcing her to address the issue. Yep. Even if all she really did was say, okay, arrest him. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I assumed it would be, I mean, I thought it was pretty generous to say arrest him and not yeah. execute him because she said the next time you fail me <laughs> will be your last. Yeah. Um, Drogon was right there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I could see also that she would want to do that in a very nice public spectacle to add to that fear that she's yeah. cultivating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next, uh, so I have my, my notes are not perfect. Clearly. Um, I think it's next is, uh, John visiting Tyrion in the cell. Well, we have uh, Arya shows up at the speech and briefly talks to John before that. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Right after the speech where she shows up and he's like, what are you even doing here? Right. <laughs> I thought you were at Winterfell. I love that. Um, yeah. So just like yeah, you, you start to get the feeling that for the rest of John's life, he is going to constantly have a low level paranoia that he's going to turn around and Arya is going to just be right there. Um, She's just done that a number of times now. (laughs) I Um, I love that. It's just, he's standing there and she does the whole Batman thing and he's all Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Uh, So I think that um, given the ending of the last episode, what with the horse and all the imagery and stuff with Arya, it really seemed to me like what they were going to set up is that, Arya, perhaps in response to Danny either doing something or threatening to do something to John, was going to kill Danny. And I thought that's kind of what they were maybe setting it up. And honestly, as much as I love Arya, I was kind of hoping that wouldn't be it because she did kind of already get a big kill. I don't think she really needs another one. It would feel redundant almost at that point. But um, but you could also make the case of like, then why did this story even need her to come to king's landing but anyway um perhaps just so she could be the reminder because of course uh you know we'll, we'll get to it with the scene between john and, and Tyrion. but basically she's there to kind of just say so we kind of told you we were worried <laughs> she was going to do exactly this thing and you said no it's fine and you know, um, we'll talk more about it, but I think John, I, I've never been one of the people who thought John deserved to be on the Iron Throne at the end. I've, and I've said so many times. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But I actually do think people were giving him a little bit too hard a time in some of the discussions I've seen of this episode in the sense that it should have been more immediate that he was going to turn against her. And they, and the fact that he took so long to do it and seemed so agonized about it. Like I, the, the, the problem is think about who he is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He bent the knee to her. 
Yeah. He swore to serve her. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, he loves her. What <laughs> he loves her. And also add in the fact that does he have any perspective on doing something that everybody else around you really thinks is terrible and a horrible idea, but you know it's the right thing and you do it and then someone stabs you in the stomach for it? <laughs> does he have any perspective on that, perhaps? Yeah. Oh, that must yeah. Be like. yeah. So the fact that he is now in the position of the people in the Night's Watch who betrayed him. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a really not good a point. quick decision to make, even if you really fundamentally disagree and you say, that's not the decision I would have made. Yeah. In his mind, if we want to say he's always been the one that's like Ned, he's too honorable for his own good. Well, is it honorable to kill Daenerys the way he does? Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, let's not forget, he was ready to kill you, Grit. He was ready to kill you, Grit. And he 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 froze in that moment, and the little kid ends up killing her. Um, okay. You know this this tracks all of this tracks yeah. for John, in my opinion. Okay. I think the best part of John in this episode is him struggling with this, the okay. duty or love thing. This this is what his whole arc in this episode is. After he kills her, he doesn't do anything else. He is. Yeah. Not even reactive. He's completely passive. I loved, frankly, that the show totally just sidelines him after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I, I thought that was fantastic. I, yeah. was, I, you know, I was really happy with that decision. I mean, we're um, jumping ahead, of course. Yeah. I, don't, I think that, uh, <laughs> as Paulette says, Arya had been kind of a fifth wheel since she killed the Night King. Her story ended there, but Maisie is too well liked to have just been left out of the last three episodes. There's I, that. Yeah. But, I, go ahead. If I may, I mm -hmm. also think that this scene between Arya and John is more of the uh, impending doom for John that they've been trying to lay in there. That if he goes south, he will die. If you go to Zaha Doom, you will die, kind <laughs> of a thing. Um, and she reiterates it again you're not safe here. Starks don't do well here. Um, yeah. You know, throughout the episode, we're supposed to really feel like, all right, John, John's going to go mm -hmm. so that they can subvert that. Which I think is actually yeah. pretty well done. It wasn't a, hey, gotcha. It was a, we have all of these themes. Some mm -hmm. of them will pay off and some of them won't. Right. And uh, the, the other thing I was thinking, though, is that uh, a reason to have her, her continue in the story, at least through the last episode, even if, as we discussed, it maybe didn't necessarily need her to make it all the way to King's Landing. The whole bit with the Hound and, you know, calling him Sandor and him basically telling her, don't do this, mm -hmm. you know, you can still have a life. Um, uh, I think that was worth having. Although having her, giving her an ending where she's essentially going into the West like Frodo or Galadriel is, is a little bit like, does that totally jive with that? <laughs> Moment Look, I don't know. I think I think everybody <laughs> is too hard on that whole Arya aspect, you know, not needing her after the Night mm. King, and we were saying that about Bran too. Oh, and yeah. he served his own roles, <laughs> even if you don't, if you don't, even if you get don't get to the yeah. point of what he became in this episode. Yeah. But I mean, you know, 
I feel like it was important for them to show because Arya was one of the first faces that we saw at the very mm -hmm. beginning. It was, I can't remember whose chapter is the very, very first. Oh, no, no, no. It was Brand the perspective. Well, it was the, yeah. Yeah. In the in the so, show, in the show, after the <clears throat> teaser of them going in, you know, the 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 men of the night's watch going into right. uh, going north and seeing all of that stuff, what we see is we see Arya right in Winterstown as the procession is arriving, you know, right. as as uh the king is coming. So yeah, in the show specifically, she's one of the first people we see. She's one of the first people we care about. But to finish, yeah, um, but to finish, it, it's, it's more than that because we've seen her go through these very excruciating experiences that built her into the assassin that was able to take down the Night King. We had to go through each and every one of those things. I would have felt cheated if I had not seen that scene with Sandor, knowing that they had traveled from Winterfell to King's Landing together mm -hmm. and that they had that scene together. And for me, the scene with the white horse is, is a lot simpler than what a lot of people I think were reading into it. To me, it was a, just like a, she, she, all of that shit that she went through and not that she could ever forget it or lose those lessons or those abilities, but she went through so much trauma. And I feel like that was like an outward an outward view, what she went through in the streets of King's Landing as Danny, you know, destroyed the city. That was like an external view of what all of the stuff that was inside of her. And I felt like it was almost like, not like a cleansing or a purifying or anything like that, but just like a total cathartic, emotional, havoc wreaking, almost died a thousand times situation. And the white horse to me was her seeing herself again for the first time in everything that was around her and all the destruction, like the purity of that horse and her being able to get on it with everything else going on, you know, it was just this whole, it seems like it was faded. Well, there were a lot of white horses in King's Landing. We saw that in the we last saw episode, that, yeah. right? <laughs> like, but I, I, I think it was yeah. very powerful for us to see that. And the white horse to me was, like I said, a lot simpler, but I think even seeing that, you know, I mean, I it's I feel like an idiot for not having this this little epiphany, or maybe I've had it and I didn't remember it. But like, I was in the car and I was thinking about the episode the other day, and it's like some something listening to some music thing, and it was you know aria, which is a term. It's a musical term, you know, R A R I A. And I was like, oh, a song of fire and ice. So of course, aria is going to be remaining. She's going to be the continuing thing all the way through it. And so to me, after having that, finally having that, 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 I, that thought after, I don't know, 20 something years, it was just really neat to see that she was that final note for this whole little, like, mm -hmm. because the song to me, the song, I mean, the episode had like the pacing that we were talking about and stuff like that. I felt like it was almost like told as a slower paced mm -hmm. song, like a ballad or something like that, like you would expect after a battle and all the battle scenes were like rah, 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 really fast paced and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that the pacing made sense to me as well. And I was grateful for it after the pacing that we'd had before. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful for Arya. She was not a goddamn fifth wheel. I love you, Paula. But nope. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really grateful for it. And I know it may have seemed extraneous, but I think for the the, I think for the fans, and they've given us a lot of fan candy this season. I think that this was for all the people that wanted to see her come out of the the uh, faceless 
the faceless assassins and just mm -hmm. all of that, you know? Yeah. And also, ha 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 to everybody that thought that it was the waif wearing Arya's skin and that the waif would be sitting <laughs> on the throne at the end. I knew you were wrong. That, <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't heard that theory. That's, I, I, I never, feel like, yeah, that's reaching, <laughs> reaching. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's also would like, that's a troll theory. Like not yeah. necessarily that people couldn't believe it, but that like, there's no way they would write that. Yeah. But in any event though, I, I agree with everything you were just saying. Um, and, and on the faceless note, you know, one of the things that uh, several people have said, and, and I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with questioning this is that a lot of people thought that she would have or should have used the faces thing to do some of the other things she has done. Cause the last time she actually used them was with the phrase. Mm -hmm. Right. But even though I hadn't put it together until after last night's episode, what I really remembered was what Jockin told her after she did it the first time, which was, you can only use the faces if you are no one. Mm -hmm. To someone, the faces are poison. And if we think about the last time she used the faces was with the phrase. And then like, what's her next big plot point? She runs she into hot pie at the inn and the crossroads. Yeah. And they say, oh, no, they've retaken Winterfell. Sansa's there and John and they're, they're yeah. there. Oh. And that's when she goes back to rejoin her family. And so I think it makes sense to say she's leaving the faceless stuff behind at that yeah. point mm. because she is not going to be no one anymore. She wants to be Arya Stark again. Yeah. So, uh, uh, by the way, she in Paula, her bag for Sansa to find, but well, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so that answers Dan D's question. Whatever happened to Arya's bag of faces anyway, uh, Paulette bowed and said, as you wish to this, <laughs> I do want to say that I never made that connection. Arya, a song of ice and fire that Viv did. So <laughs> like that is actually really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Personally, I always knew Aria would survive simply because um, George has said that uh, mm. Paris made him promise <laughs> that right. Aria would survive, <laughs> right? Uh, which which is is quite fun. But I think that you know Viv's interpretation is probably more accurate and uh, much more beautiful than that. Mm -hmm. um, Mike says the white horse scene with Arya to me seemed like her starting a new chapter of her life, choosing her life as an assassin and starting her new life. Uh, oh, sorry, closing her life as an assassin and starting her new life, eventually going yeah. off to be Dora the Explorer. Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, the way I read it when I first watched it really was more there's death there's death there's death oh my gosh this is something that's alive um but i i also really like this interpretation and mike's interpretation you know that you know this is her this is her starting a new chapter 100 like uh as i said last week she's seen war she's seen death but she never really experienced this side of it. Yeah. And that has changed her more than anything. I mean, when you think of how little she was when she first stabbed the butcher's boy mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and how she kind of, you know, we talk about how Danny shrugs off when death play. Uh, oh, the butcher's boy was the, Oh, boy. right. Sorry. The yeah. stable boy is who I'm right. Okay. About. Yeah. I just wanted to, my bad. 
Uh, I'm confusing terms. Yeah, yeah, no, and I hear you. Uh, so like we talk about how Danny became dead to killing people. Yeah. You know, it was just whatever. But you can also go back and look. She's always kind of had that. Um, and some people could say Arya is dead inside. She's an assassin. But this shows us she's not actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she ever was just okay with killing, but rather this is something that has to happen. And revenge was her life for a long time, you know, and mm-hmm. pro or con revenge. I mean, it was emotional. It wasn't a dead thing to her. That's it why living. It was breathing. Yeah. That's why we really did need that scene with her and Sandor. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I agree. Um, but this. Yeah, never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I lost my thought. It's good. It's good. Yeah, so well, the conversation gonna... with John. Oh, so mm-hmm. go ahead. I was just going to add something real quick about Arya. You know, her rebellion, so to speak, like, you know, you're going to be a lady. And she's like, no, that's not me. That expanded into such a huge, bigger thing for her personality wise when the trauma started happening and the thing, you know, when she had to leave King's Landing and then leave Westeros and then leave, you know, Essos and all these things are not Essos, but Bravos. And so anyways, it's like, you know, if you have, especially a child that's coming into like adolescence and you say, okay, you have to do this, they're going to rebel. Mm-hmm. And if you can find a way for them to have some control in that and feel less powerless, then it's an easier go. It's an easier path to get things to work out right. You know, hopefully, but like for her, it was, it wasn't just like, I'm going to rebel. It's I'm going to hide who I am because I'm going to die otherwise. Yeah. And I'm going to learn how to survive because too many people are not surviving. These little girls that are very polite aren't surviving mm-hmm. this. And it, it turned into this whole other thing where it wasn't even just the, I'm in control now. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm deciding things. It's, it was also a survival thing. And so her shedding that and being able to retain control over herself and decide I'm going to King's Landing and I'm not even going to tell anybody because I don't want to ask permission. I'm not telling them I'm coming back. I'm not going back North until I have to, you know, and I really think that she, in a sense, was kind of like even staying with John and Sansa and Bran just to make sure that they safely got where they needed to go so that she kind of felt free to do what she wanted to do even more so. But then I'm 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 a long devotee of Arya, so I think a lot about her yeah. the most. So, anyways, John's conversation. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, I I'm not sure. There's I I don't know if anyone has more to talk about with just that that conversation between Arya and John was a nice moment, but there wasn't a lot yeah. of meat. Yeah. To it. Yeah. It, I think it just sets up the next scene. Yeah. Which is, of course, Which is, going to visit Tyrion. Right. And Tyrion just pleading and pleading and pleading to do the right thing. Reminds yeah. John of his oath. Yeah. Night's, uh, you know, the Night's Watch. Sorry. I, I think that this scene was important in two ways. Because obviously, just from a character motivation standpoint, we had to get John to the point where a proposition had been made and he had to think about it. Mm-hmm. Right? But... Also, I think giving it to Tyrion to be the one who uh, expresses the show's new thesis statement about how tyrants 
rise because when they're only hurting bad people, we cheer them on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how, yeah. and how kind of recognizing how could she ever think differently because her whole life has been about hurting the people that we also don't like. Mm-hmm. And we tell her, yes, the way you handled that is correct. Keep doing yeah. that. And so she does. She keeps doing it. She keeps learning the lesson every step of the way that she has to be ruthless. Yeah. That yeah. mercy just comes back to bite her in the butt. And no, you have to be the dragon. Fire and blood. You know, they can live in my new world or die in their old one. Like every step of her journey has been telling her that not only is she correct to do that, but that she deserves it. And that, you know, for Tyrion to basically say, now let's talk about what that person's next steps are likely to be. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it doesn't have to be about blaming her or saying she's a bad person as much as we have to agree what she will do is bad for the people. Yep. And I mean, Tyrion throughout this entire series has spent his time trying to protect the people of the lords and ladies he is one of the people who has actually cared about the small folk. Yeah. Um, he has tried to protect them when he was hand in King's Landing. He tried to protect them as hand to Daenerys. Uh, everything he's ever done was for all of the people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is a really big thing when you consider the fact that he sat in the lap of luxury, um, you know, a very mm-hmm. privileged spot for someone who is, uh, you know, with his disabilities in that world. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't even bring in the whole killing of all the dwarves thing that happened in the books. Yeah. Um, it, it 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 really is something that is there's there's a few key things that come to T- Tyrion's character, and this is one of them. So the fact that what he thinks is his dying breath. He is trying to convince John to protect those people. The few that are remaining when he says you are the, the, the shield of men. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me was very, uh, Tyrion had very yeah. powerful scenes this episode. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and bring up now something that I, I, I teased briefly earlier on, which was to say, that some of the things that happened this time kind of made me retroactively more at peace with some of the previous decisions, because even when they were executed poorly or there were stumbles or they didn't really do enough to support the weight of the change they were making, I can kind of see the pattern now of how they were trying to get everything lined up for the stuff that happens in this episode it was clear that they had this as a fixed endpoint and they were trying to work backwards from it. Mm-hmm. And that's an awkward, difficult way to tell stories. And I think that a lot of the things that we didn't like or that just felt like they were executed poorly, the things that happened where it's where our feeling was, it's not that we disagree with what happened. It's that how it happened feels stupid. Right. Yes. Like, you know, and so like the whole, 
flying into King's Landing and losing Regal to miraculous scorpion blows and then doesn't continue to attack. And yep. then the fleet is lost, but everybody with a first name uh, survives except Missandei mysteriously gets captured. Like all of that stuff was clearly trying to get all the pieces in the right position. And it was awkward trying to get there, but we can see that it was all in the service of trying to get to these part, these parts here that are more solid. And so, you know, this is not a defense of the way that it happened before, but I get it more now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel that way too. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they did it well. Yeah. It just means I understand what the plan was now. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, the, Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a, a pretty deep conversation, and it really was a, mm-hmm. a direct response to the fans yeah. of of thinking this thing with Danny came out of nowhere. And yeah, yeah, and it it's interesting because it really does it does raise some interesting questions about the whole series because there were definitely times earlier in the series where people were watching some of the stuff they were doing from Darren with Daenerys and saying, that seems kind of problematic to me. Are we really supposed to be looking at that as heroic? Is this really okay? Is she really cool? Like some of this is maybe (laughs) not cool. And, you know, questioning like, you know, the whole bit when she, you know, frees the slaves from Yunkai and they all, you know, the classic scene everybody points to of her being lifted aloft by, you know, her pure white <laughs> and them all brown and like that whole thing. And yeah. it's like retroactively, though, now that we kind of know where the story was going, we kind of can't help. Like, was that actually intentional all along mm-hmm. that it was supposed to make us feel a little bit uneasy? I'm not sure I want to give them a hundred percent of that credit, yeah, but maybe right. some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting and felt real to me that because of what we were just saying with John, he's in this position where even the, he can almost, he almost can't even bear to admit Tyrion is right, that he would not have made the same decision. Yeah, because it feels like a betrayal. But it's like the thing everyone has to try to remember there when everyone wants to say, oh, no, what she did was beyond the pale. John should have turned on her immediately and, and quit like Tyrion did on the steps and all that. And I'm saying it's like, think about everything that Jon Snow has done for the whole series. Does he seem like the guy who breaks his vow easily? <laughs> um, in any event, um, I thought it was... I thought that it really didn't seem to be working. Tyrion was kind of desperately feeling like, you know, uh, this isn't working. I, I've got to try everything. And then he kind of basically suddenly kind of calls on is like, well, okay, you, you decide, you've decided that you can be at peace with her making these decisions and, and all that. But you think your sister's going to agree with that? Mm-hmm. And do you think that you're, you're, uh, your your queen here is going to let that slide. Yeah. And at that point John is realizing like, it's not just about him and his oath or his honor or whatever. Right. It's not just a tactical question, it is 
specifically your family <laughs> is going to be annihilated. And the one thing that I thought seemed like it always should have come back up and kind of didn't was the idea that like she, I think they had just really settled on the idea that she was actually that in love with him that even with the threat that he could pose to her, she was still kind of somehow hoping that he would be at right. her side. Like that, yeah, that I'm not sure I ever com- like, I'll accept that that's what the show is telling us. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if I didn't necessarily feel it like, cause it was so quick. And again, that's a perfect illustration. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they had allowed that whole all to build more gradually and there was more time with them together before he learns the truth, for example. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, um, I, I, I also read that as she was desperate to convince him. Yeah. And that was part of it. Uh, so Paulette says, uh, you know, all the precursors to Danny going full blaze queen. Was that also in the books and does it exist in the books? And some of it, yes. Some mm-hmm. of it, no, because we haven't gotten there. I think that the idea that Danny might turn mad is even more heavily in the books. Uh, yeah. her Because we get her point of view ch- chapters, mm-hmm. and it's a lot more of her internal struggle. Yeah. And it's not like, is she going to flip a switch? It's not going to be like a, a switch is being flipped. It's like we said before, she's the hero of her own story. She thinks she's making the right decisions. Um, and and it's very believable because we understand her motivations. But right from the beginning, she's struggling with her identity, with who she yeah. is. And as things start to you know, really combine and make it feel like she's destined to be the savior... Um, yeah, she, she really, you can see her believing it even more. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes across even stronger. Um, when you, when you see her perspective, you don't read her perspective and go, damn girl, you crazy. You know, like in the scene that we, we criticized so much last week, you know, the big, the bell scene, like this is not to discredit Amelia Clark's performance Mm -hmm. in that moment. But what we needed in that episode, in that scene to really sell it, was something to put us in her shoes, in her headspace. Whereas all we'd gotten for the last episode and a half was scenes from other people's POV being afraid of her. Exactly. I agree. I agree 100% right there. Yeah. Uh, Mike says, um, uh, you know, the you need to make that decision now. Uh, yeah. was one of my favorite lines from Tyrion last night. And I, yeah. I agree. I think all of that is good. Um, I love bringing back Eamon's words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I believed John's <clears throat> struggle. And when, you know, there's a somebody on Twitter compared all the men from Game of Thrones to sandwiches, and Jon Snow was white bread. He wasn't even a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> he was just white bread. Yeah. So yeah. when we're talking about somebody who really is kind of white bread, um, the fact that I believed his struggle, mm-hmm. I'm going to give them credit. I'm going to give the yeah. actor credit. I'm going to give the director credit. I really believed that. Right. And so I, I, there are some of the scenes like the 
this is one of the, well, some of the scenes from last night were so amazing. And this is one of them. That yeah. scene to me was just, it, it sold everything. Um, there are certain things that I don't like about last night's episode, but there are things that fix it or sell yeah. me on it. And this is one of those, um, yeah. yeah, duty is the death of love. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike and love is the death of duty. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I loved bringing that back up and then also flipping it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and the, regarding the, the decision thing, like, uh, you know, just to jump back in time to, uh, an earlier installment of something that incited fan rage. And then they went back and fixed it, which was the mass effect three ending. Mm-hmm. We don't have to belabor the ins and outs of what people liked or didn't like about that. But one of the things that really resonated for me in that was really setting up a decision has to be made that is going to affect everyone in the galaxy. And there's this profound feeling in the part, you know, of me play as the player feeling like, my character doesn't have the right to make this decision for everybody. And yet mm-hmm. no one else can. Yes. So not only, so it's not about having the right to make it. It's the responsibility because there was literally no one else who can do it. Yep. There's nobody else there. And so you have to have a responsibility to make a choice and then just own that. It's really not fair for that decision to have to be come down to this one person. It's not fair. It, they don't have the right to make it, but nobody else can. And, and having that framing on this for him too was because literally Daenerys was so paranoid at this point, like who else could have ever done it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we get the, um, conversation with Tyrion and it gets called back as John's talking, confronting Danny, you know, with mm-hmm. what happened and what, what her actions were and what she did. And, um, mm-hmm. um, she shows no real remorse, you know, she's just yeah. like, None. Hey, no, I am right. Yeah. This is the road and mm-hmm. everything's going to be great. And, you know, and that's where it really clicks yeah. for him. Cause she's I, I, just yeah, he, practically like begging, <laughs> like just note beat for beat reinforces everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because like what Tyrion really tries to drive home with him is it's not even so much about like, you have to punish her for what she did. It's not about saying she did a bad thing and we have to kill her for it. Right. This is about what she is going to do mm-hmm. if you don't stop her. And so that's why I think when he goes and he pushes back on her thinking, he is essentially trying to see, is it even possible that she might listen to reason and not just continue to repeat this over the you know, entire world? Yeah. And, her, um, her and she, to me she makes is, it clear. Yeah. Is that, her saying the people don't get a choice. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was like the big one to me. Right. And I I agree. Um one one brief note though before before he comes in, I thought it was really interesting that 
you know, way back in season two, she had the vision of the, the throne mm-hmm. room, the iron throne yeah. with the broken roof and the snow on the ground. And then last week, everyone was saying, oh, it was actually ash, not snow. And then it turns out, no, it's actually actually still snow. It's yeah. just yeah. winter now, so it snows in King's Landing. So that was kind of a weird. <laughs> it was like, a really weird choice. <laughs> Confusing. Yeah. Really yeah. cool, the Drogon under... I- yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, I thought it was really cool that they had the snow there, but it yeah. was just the, it created this it's weird confusing. sort of rubber banding expectation. Yeah. Um, can, can we mention that John's walking and you think he's walking by a pile of rubble? And then yeah. shake, 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 it's Drogon. Yeah, that yeah. was, that, that was I awesome. Just thought it was really cool. And right. to me, Drogon looked at him and was like, all right, your intentions are good. Like, and I think this goes to what Christiana was saying is that he had not made up his mind yet. Yeah. yeah. I don't think because so. Because Drogon did not think that John had ill intentions going in there. Yeah. yeah. I agree. He did not have his mind made up yet. Yeah. He was desperate to believe that she could be talked out of this path. Mm-hmm. So desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but there's one point in their conversation, Danny and John's conversation, when he's just almost pleading with her. And it's like this really, it's not a flattering angle for him. Like mm-hmm. if we're going to talk about what the seat, the shot looks like, it's him. He's kind of sweaty, his face, the way they're the, the angle that they've got him at, he looks 20 years older. Like he mm-hmm. just almost looks like Robert Baratheon for a minute. And I thought, oh my God, this is what it's going to look like in 20 years. If he doesn't kill her, he's going to be pleading with her and begging her. And I don't know if they intended to give that kind of like, this is older John and he'd still be saying the same thing if, mm-hmm. if he doesn't do anything, you know, and stays with her. And it was just like, oh my God, it just kind of like shocked me. I was like, oh shit, he really needs to deal with this. That's, that's yeah. not good. That's not good. Cause he's never, he's not, he's not somebody that's very convincing he's not very persuasive you know he's very honorable but that's about as deep as it goes mm-hmm. right and but oh, back rolling again just a little bit just i yeah. and the lead up to her coming up to the throne it was pretty mm-hmm. chilling i thought mm-hmm. you know yeah. after all yeah. this time and it's right there and she's finally and she never actually does get to sit in it sit in i it. did find it kind of a slap in the face to the book readers of her describing what she used to think it would look like right. as a child. Yeah. And that's I actually what that George said it should have fucking reader. looked like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a slap in the I face. Didn't, I didn't hear you, Chooch. That Sorry. What her description was, was George's vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's what artist- it should have been. Yeah, and it exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what that's his, kind of his vision of it was. I and- agree. But See, it, no, me, I don't know if it was insulting. I kind of liked it. It was kind of like yeah. a <laughs> That's how it was for me. That's how it felt. I think me. that's how they intended it. Was this yeah. was a really nice nod. Yeah. But by the way, I love that this you. is the thing that bugs Chooch because this is the only book he's read. <laughs> <laughs> so I got something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I I I loved it because like in my head as she's approaching, in my I'm just hearing her about to say, huh, smaller than I expected. And then she goes <laughs> yeah. into the story. Well, and that's yeah. basically what she says. Yeah. I, I actually kind of really liked the, the slow lead up to that scene because just one of the sort of 
things that it's not that we didn't know it before, but just to really appreciate as she approaches the throne, she has spent her whole life thinking about it, Mm -hmm. but she has never actually seen it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or maybe she was once in the throne room as an infant, maybe, but we don't really like, she wouldn't remember it. So like, and this I is thought the scene it, yeah. of her ancestors. Like when she yeah. tells the story of how it was made, it's not just a throne. Yeah. Right. It is the throne that her, her ancestral great, 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 whatever yeah. grandfather made from Aegon, the, swords the conqueror. Of, yeah. The conqueror yeah. from the swords of his enemies. You know, I mean, yeah. this, this is like all part and parcel of that destiny thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, Mike McCauley is right. She did see it in her dream. Yes. Um, but all the more reason that if seeing it in person is now just like it was in her dream. Yeah. Once again, for her, that's going to feel like this destiny. is all right. This is yeah. destiny fulfilled. Yeah. 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 I've done the right thing. This is all happening as it was supposed to. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think that. You know, obviously, I guess we're not done with the scene, but I, I feel like I she acted the hell out of that yeah. scene, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I think that I've seen some people have some criticisms about the overall storyline as opposed to, like, the scene in this episode, per se. But, uh, and, and maybe we can come back to that in a minute, but uh, I thought that she her performance of the scene was, was really good. And it, I think in some ways it's, this is an example of when we talk about what does it mean for this show to subvert tropes? Right. And in some regard, in some respects, this feels a little bit of an anticlimactic way for her to go out. Yeah. But Although, I, sorry okay. to interrupt. Uh, Mike just pointed it out. And then in her dream, she meets up with Drogo and her son. Well, but she turns away from them yeah, explicitly. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, am I wrong? I think she has to turn away from them on purpose before she gets to see the throne. I think. I think I maybe um, mistaken. I don't remember. I'd have I to watch. I can't it remember again. the order. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, in the dream, her dream where she sees her son in in Drogo, it it is is explicitly framed as, you could stay here forever, but no, I've got to pursue my destiny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, but uh, in any event, I think Mm -hmm. having this feel a little bit anticlimactic, I think, I don't know that it's intentionally anticlimactic because it kind of is the climax, but it's, it's in a sort of slower, more deliberate, almost sort of poetic mythic way, as Mm -hmm. opposed to an epic, exciting climax, right? Action climax. Um, More Shakespearean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, and I think that was kind of by design. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just kind of moving on, you know, next dragon, uh, Drogon magically knows what happens. They're, they're Link. I buy that. Yeah. To check things out. And I thought for sure John was dying. So (laughs) sure. Yeah. 
I think John thought he was dying. Yeah. I think yeah. John, yeah. I think the reason he's so quiet is he's disappointed that he did not die. Mm. I yeah. think he <laughs> would have preferred to die. Yeah. With his I agree. Right. Yeah. He's got to be thinking, what could there possibly be for me now? Yeah. It's not like yeah. I'm going to be able to hide that I did it. Although I, I heard, I saw some people talk about like when uh, Drogon uh, flies away with her body, it's like, of course, John must have just directly confessed because he's right. John. He's John, yeah. Right. And, but I was just thinking, too, it's like, even if it was in his nature to try to get away with it, which it definitely is not, lying is not his strong suit. True. There's just a pool of blood in the throne room that's now only him in it. And yeah, gosh, what happened? I don't know. It, it was Drogon. Man. Yeah. Yeah. The dog um, did it. Yeah. yeah. So in any event though, yeah. um I that that scene I thought was just fraught with tension mm-hmm. of not knowing what was going to be done and I don't know about you guys but I really loved the ambiguity of what how what level of awareness of the situation did Drogon actually have? Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand you could interpret it as John is this previously trusted person. Drogon did not see him stab her. And so was very upset and sad, sad that she's gone and, but had no reason to take it out on him because he was a previously trusted friend and then was mm-hmm. just lashing out at something else out of just animalistic despair or, you could frame it as a recognition that in a very real, although somewhat metaphorical sense, it was not John that killed her. It was the throne that killed mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And so this was my emotional scene. So to me, this is where I, my heart broke when I heard Drogon cry out because mm-hmm. that sounded painful. And I'm sorry, but did they have to pull the whole Star Wars Ewok scene on me where <laughs> Drogon is nudging her like, Mama, why won't you wake up? Like, dude, it was like little foot. Uh, I mean, I was just, I yeah. was. It's it's also I Lion King with Simba yeah. and Mufasa. And we've seen come on, so come on, times. Daddy, get up, wake up. We've seen this so dude. many times and it kills me every time. Like, I don't yeah. even like the Ewoks and it kills me. Um, But, but to me, this is what I'm hearing in Drogon's internal monologue. Like, I can hear this. And it's, she's gone. And he's looking at John and he's like, you might have done this, but if she just stayed with me, I took her, we went away, I brought her to the grasslands, I brought her food, we could have mm-hmm. been happy. And then she brings me here and we go through all this pain and it's for that bloody throne, like that yeah. stupid throne. And he's just siblings. so angry at the mm-hmm. throne because he lost so mm-hmm. much. And and we see what Drogon wants when he takes her from the fighting pits and they go off together yeah. that he would be more than happy if that was their life forever. Yeah. And he's just so mad and he melts the throne and my heart goes, yay, there's no iron throne. Yeah. We are done. <sighs> that was such a great scene. I yeah. love that scene. 
Uh, I cheered when the Iron Throne melted. I was so happy. I didn't care that John didn't die. I really think John is mad that he didn't die. I think Drogon may have known. You know what? Screw you. You're going to have to live with this because I know you're in pain. <laughs> and rather than kill you, I'm going to make you live with that pain. You have to live with that for the yeah. rest of your life, what you did to my mom. And I, I just... I, yeah. So Paulette says, I love the CG work in this scene. They really gave me goosebumps. Yeah, Drogon's so expressive in this. Yeah. Uh, she continues to say when he does that one nose bump thing. Oh. Yeah. And then Mike says that uh, I saved him a lot of typing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, how much do you guys think that John being a Targaryen played into that? To Drogon's? To me, it was 100%. He, right, John has complete control over him because of his blood, and he could yeah. not do any. He could not go against hmm. him. Um, I think Drogon reading into the situation gives way too much credit to a lizard because um, <laughs> these are not gourd holding English speaking dragons. I, I, I these know. Are I, D dragons. What? What I was saying is that I liked the ambiguity where you can't actually tell from the behavior. No, no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. not saying your opinion's wrong. I'm just saying the, my opinion yeah. is it's giving too much credit to a lizard. Um. <laughs> a magical yeah. lizard, Chooch. Come on. It was amazing, <laughs> amazing symbolism, but imposes yeah. a lot more sociopolitical acuity um, in a dragon. But... Um, Clearly, what happened is is at the last second, Danny warged and said, "If I can't have it, no one can have it." Oh, that would I'm just, just be kidding. fun. No, but but there's no warging. He's not a Stark. Yeah. At first, um, that's what I thought was that Drogon was like, "Well, if she can't have it, no one can." But I think it right. ended up like his rage burned so hot. It was totally him being fuck this throne. Fuck it, it was for really no reason. cool. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah. really, was really, really cool. cool. Right. And so I I really liked the scene. Um, I think it's worth talking about that, like some of the criticisms people have about not necessarily just this episode, but now that we have sort of capped that storyline, addressing the storyline mm -hmm. of we do have a bunch of men writing about how when women get power, they go crazy and have to be yep. put down. Yep. Yeah. And so like, I, I don't hate that the story went there, but it, it, it's not my favorite type of story that they could right. have told necessarily. Mm -hmm. Especially now with the like, track record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I can see, it's it's not even necessarily a criticism of the storytelling as much as to say it's like, is that a story that needed to be told? And also just kind of a recognition of, you know, there have been some women who wrote Game of Thrones episodes and the last one was like in season three or something like that. Mm -hmm. So like, eh. yeah, uh, which, you know, it's not like it's not automatically about this story being bad or even this episode being bad. It's, but there, I think it's fair to say, I don't like that the story was about a woman who gets power and goes crazy and has to be put down. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but it's immediately following another woman who yeah. got power and went crazy and had to be put down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So it's like, yeah. Although I will say two people fooled by prophecies, like mm-hmm. anybody that believed in prophecy yeah. or destiny, they're all dead. Well, yeah. Ultimately, what it comes down to is that this story has so many complex moving pieces and interlocking themes that they really, I mean, this is exactly why George is having so much trouble writing these last books, I think, is because it's almost impossible to finish telling any one story without it having unfortunate implications in other parts of the theme. And, and it's, it's like, okay, well I can figure out how to make these characters have a coherent arc, but that requires these other characters to do things that messes up their arc. But if we do these characters over here, then it twists that thing in. And and so that that's the problem. Yeah. And so ultimately this, this is why like there is no way that any ending would ever be perfect because people don't all want the same thing. And so anytime you have a story come to completion and be revealed in its complete form, there were people who thought it was going to be something else and are disappointed. Right. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's always was always going to happen. And it's fair to, to say in the end, I had hoped that this would be a different kind of story than it turned out to be. And I think that's a fair criticism, but it's not necessarily a criti- criticism of the storytelling so much as like, you know, you just kind of wished it had gone differently. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so um, Mike says, but then there was Sansa at the end. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think this also like the one person that plays by the rules um, was Sansa. Uh, and the person that apparently needed to be raped in order to be strong. Uh, we've pointed out their criticism <laughs> yeah. of that before. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that is true, but you know, whatever. Uh, critics can say it. Um, but it, it, yeah, yeah. It, there are things that I think if we didn't point these things out, um, we, uh, I, I think we would be doing a disservice. It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. we think that this is where they were going. But I think it is point to, you know, all your faves are problematic and Game of Thrones is very problematic and it's okay to point well, these yeah. things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eye of Horus in uh, the chat says, at least Sansa is queen of the North. Also, mm-hmm. Arya pretty much saved the entire world by killing the uh, king. Yeah. There's no question <laughs> yeah. that there are awesome female characters. We also got Brienne, who is yeah. also awesome. You know, despite the fact that, you know, uh, okay, uh, that you know, we haven't covered the scene, her big scene in this mm-hmm. episode yet, but um, it's already spawning a million memes as it should, <laughs> as it should, <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, I loved that. Um, even though I really dislike how they handled Jamie making his decision to go back to Cersei. I don't hate that he did it. I hated the way they chose to have it play out. Agreed. Agreed. And, Agreed. And so, but that's just another example of is Brienne an awesome female character? Yes, absolutely. Did the show feel the need to find her vulnerable spot and stick a dagger in it and then twist it just for fun? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They did. The show absolutely chose to do that. Because they like agony porn. 
Paulette yeah. says, yes, Cersei and Danny meet, fall in love, and rule the Seven Kingdoms in peace and harmony was not going to please everyone either. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I so love that that, yeah. ima- that imaginary fic where uh, we finally have this meeting where Daenerys and Cersei finally meet. It's at the, it's the Dragon Pit one, right, where they finally yeah. brought. But we imagine that Cersei and Danny both kind of find each other they keep kind of catching each other's eye contact and then looking away and blushing a little <laughs> bit. And Oh, you know, I just like, I feel like there's a connection there. And then maybe they, <laughs> you know, they, they, they start, you know, writing letters that are just diplomatic at first, you know, like logistical, but then they just start asking how, how's your day been going? And <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. I'm good. I love all the crazy crackpot (laughs) theories and spinoffs. I of Horus says Brienne got dirty, got done dirty by filthy Jamie, though. He treated her like a basic one night stand. And that was terrible, in my opinion. We agree 100%. Yeah. So uh, the one of the examples of the meme I'm talking about, uh, which was great, uh, which was it shows, you know, her looking down at the book and writing. And then when it zooms in, what she has written is total fuckboy. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Sorry. I was uh, now I know anyway. we're jumping ahead, but I was completely yeah, I distracted while she was writing the book because yeah. all I could think is, okay, you're not set up properly. The pages are going to smudge. So don't turn the page. Don't turn the page. Yeah. It's not dry yet. Where's your blotting paper? Where is no. your. Yeah. Well, we don't me. know. I'm a pen nerd. Sh- we, well, but we don't know that, <laughs> that the show didn't just it. cut out the amount of time that she let the ink dry right. properly. Right. We, you know, but anyway. I, I, I didn't pay any attention to the ink or anything like yeah. that. As soon as I saw the book that she was sitting in front of, I reached over, I grabbed Chooch's hand and I just started crying. Yes. I was like, <laughs> she's the perfect person. She's the only one. It's, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it was, so oh, oh, yeah. It. Obviously it's jumping ahead, but we're talking yeah, about this. I, don't yeah. I thought that you, was you invoked so her name. <laughs> perfect. Because, uh, not only like, I heard one like question about like, well, she swore to protect Sansa and Arya, so why is she Kingsguard for Bran now that Sansa's gonna be back in Winterfell and Arya well, so I could Who's see left? that Who's left? Right. Like I could see the question, but I could also see like being Kingsguard is like that's the right place for her. It's a huge you know? honor. Like, it, yeah. It's a huge honor, it's so noble. Um, you know, it was actually a different scene that we saw got to see Sir Podrick. Right. Uh, But but I I really loved that with Jamie as incredibly messy and complex as he was, someone for whom he had these noble and selfish sides, and he could never fully reconcile them, and in the end actually chose the selfish side, but had these noble elements nonetheless and who better to capture that and have it be such a payoff of the last time we looked at that book, you know, like we, you know, we had Joffrey Joffrey. looking at the book with Jamie and, uh, and saying, you know, yours is pretty short uncle. Yeah. You know, like, uh, and, having that book have been this running theme throughout. And that was just such an amazing payoff to everything that those two characters had shared. I thought it was 
amazing. And yeah, I was yeah. a little weak. I, I agree. I think that um I think that this just shows us Brienne's true character. Mm-hmm. Um and she is the most honorable person in this show and ned stark would go dang that girl's got honor yeah Um, (laughs) i think also that i could not see sansa saying stay with me and protect me i could totally Mm -hmm. see her saying we need somebody that has your moral compass there because we who was in charge before these are not the people we want in charge by the way I'm going to say it, Sir Podrick Payne. What, they're giving everybody a gold cloak now? Look. Brienne has to do all these amazing <laughs> feats to get knighted, and this okay. guy just boom. Well, but but Brienne <laughs> yeah. is the Lord Commander of the King's right. Guard and all the small council. Did it. Right. right. Yeah. But, but also, and he I was Tyrion Squire, so right. he's been so working. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like the eye of Horus in the chat says, but if she's a king's guard, she can't make giant muscle babies with Tormund to take over the world with. <laughs> that yeah. So like I was, you know, I was certainly a vocal defender of, you know, Tormund would be a better fit with her than Jamie for exactly the reasons that turned out to be a hundred percent true. hundred percent. Anyway. Um, but uh, I, I liked that the show didn't, force the love triangle cheesy resolution which is to say oh well now that jamie's out of the picture maybe she reconsiders torment and needs to be in a relationship so let's go force that now right i I liked that they said no that's not the right fit for her i like that they are worlds apart i also think that at this point torment would be like no no you left me i'm not taking you back he'll get over it He'll do okay. Maybe. I mean, all um, you'd have to see is her beautiful blue eyes and her towering yeah. height. And he's well, right. But, you know, he is a uh, well-rounded enough person that he can move on. Yeah. And know? he did moments yeah. later <laughs> at that dinner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. The last thing I want to say about Brienne's scene, though, is if you notice on her breastplate, it's a raven. Hmm. Oh, Which, uh, that's got to be Brand's new sigil, right? Exactly. We'll get yeah. into that later. Wow. I didn't even notice. Have is why do the Starks all have the power? But Bran is not a Stark anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, uh, I mean, I, are, are we at that council scene now? I guess we almost I are. I haven't right? talked about one. this at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, oh, well, yeah, go we got to back I, up. I, <laughs> Thank you, Chooch, for keeping us on track. Thank um, you. I thought for a minute that, I guess, I, I, I don't know. The book, I thought she was going to f- be flipping through and find her page. Mm. And the start of her story. But it didn't occur to me that it would be her job to write it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah, the Lord it. Commanders usually write um, those, don't they? Yep. yep. Yeah. That's yeah. their job. They're the only ones. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that one, that final kindness, he died defending his queen. Yeah. Was mm-hmm. just says, yeah. says so much. Yeah. Um, and if you freeze frame, there's like, oh, the the battle where the dragon goes uh, after the Lannisters. That's the Battle of the Goldwood. There's all sorts of fun stuff that you can find yeah. in the other parts she wrote. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Um, I but before the small council, I think was the dragon pit. Well, yeah that that was the the scene. Uh, that's actually what I meant with the yeah. council. Oh, scene. Gotcha, gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, but we go pretty much from the scene of John. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, killing. That's when they're bringing Tyrion out, and yeah. it is everybody assembled. And yeah. I thought it was an interesting way to communicate the time jump to show how much like Tyrion's beard has grown. And I will say first, I didn't mind it in the long run, but it was pretty jarring um, to have a time jump happen after that scene. Mm. Right. Because there's so many things that we don't know about Mm -hmm. how that would all play out and we get, we get filled in. So it's fine. But I was just like, Whoa, what do they just do here? Yeah. Um, Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah, And then find out, you know, John's not dead. He's in jail. I right. did not believe that for one yeah. moment. The gray worm yeah. would yeah. not have slaughtered John the moment he saw him. Right. That, yeah. no. <laughs> I, you know, like I, I, I felt that way too. And it was, but I could also sort of imagine the idea that gray worm, despite in the last couple of episodes having been written as pretty much just someone consumed with revenge, which I wasn't really a fan of. Mm, Yeah. But, um, but the truth is no matter what John just did, same with Tyrion, they are important enough people that if you just kill them, you're basically got another war on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess we can give credit that, you know, sure enough, like, you know, we learn in that next scene that that's exactly what would have Mm -hmm. happened if it just killed him. But I tend to agree with you that the gray worm we had just seen earlier in this episode seems like he would have just killed John on the spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. John did not even seem like he was prepared to defend himself. Right. (laughs) Uh, Mike says, I'm glad there was dialogue specifying how much time has passed. I think the the time jump really was, you know what? We can conceive of a way that John's not going to be dead and we can go into all this stuff, but that's kind of boring. Mm -hmm. So let's just do this. Oh, and frankly, they don't have time. (laughs) Yeah. It was the last episode. They still got Uh, a lot of hands to tie up. (laughs) <laughs> the the one piece that I really wish that they had done something to give us is how much of the city is left. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there was a lot of destruction and a lot of death, but yeah. but how Quarter, much? Half, half. Yeah, like I I wish we had had some sense of that, but we really got nothing. Yeah. Mm. I don't think we even see any small folk in the whole rest of the episode. No, no. not at all. Um, Just when John is at the dock, that's the only time uh, I think yeah, I guess there anybody else well, out the and, other than the Lannisters there, that were getting mysteriously slaughtered. two people all in black to escort him to the wall. I guess because right, <laughs> right. <laughs> like who are who the hell are those guys? Like, where have they been all this time? Anyway, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, so Paulette says Grey Worm's judgment may have been tempered by just losing his Luftwaffe. Uh, yeah. And Mike says, I sure as hell wouldn't want to live there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. yeah. They all yeah. got liberated by Danny's right. yeah. the, the eye of <laughs> So however long of a period it was, it was long enough for the lords and ladies of Westeros to assemble, and we see a lot mm-hmm. of familiar faces. 
Yeah. Uh, we had we paused and rewind a few times because I'm just like, you know, is that? Mm-hmm. And a couple yeah. of well, them, there, we were right. Is that Edmir Tully? Oh, my God, that is <laughs> yeah. Edmir Tully. There, there was a, I, I think what I was frustrated by is that there were clearly a couple of people we had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they had been in the background of some crowd yeah. scene or something. Yeah. Um, so I, I have no guessed, idea what house they yeah. would even I, I guess it made sense to have them there, but it did feel weird when 80% of the people in this council are definitely people we recognize and understand why they would be there. And then there's Sam thrown in because we like him, not because it makes any sense why he would be brought. He's the head of his house. Oh yeah. I guess that's true. He's head of house. Brienne (laughs) Brienne is, um, Tarth. Tarth. Yeah, I guess so. I yeah. guess that's true. Yeah, I guess that's um, that's. Fair, so. I really so dug seeing Dorn. Sweet Robin again. Oh my God, he yeah. gets the Neville Longbottom Award, right? He grew Go up in right? Hotty. You know, I yeah. keep hearing that. I don't see that. I don't oh, see it. I really don't. They didn't like, show him very much, but I feel like if you look yeah. at some of the stills, he's definitely. I think oh, not just, that same little boy like, sucking on license titty. Yeah, he's he's kind of scrawny, um, still. Like I, you know, I he looks better than he did, but uh, maybe, yeah. maybe it's just to me he still looks like a fetus. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just that uh, anyway. Everybody went nuts, and I was like, okay, but that's me. Um, <laughs> but uh, we had Royce. Uh, no, what's his yeah, name? Royce, uh, Royce I, of yeah. what house? I forget. No, um, no, it, Royce is the house name. It's Royce like is way the house more name. Royce. Okay, way more Royce. I was like Royce, something with a W, but you're. I was Walken? flipping them around. Is Walken yeah. one of the names? Did you say Walken? Um, Walken, W O L K A N. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think uh, Royce. I just remember because there was the whole connection with that guy where we're like, oh, well, the the um, the crappy highborn guy who gets killed in the opening teaser of the series is a Royce. Yeah. And so, like, that's just some little bit of trivia. When we finally meet this other gray hair guy, it's like, oh, he's Royce too. It's like he's the family that's connected to the whatever, and it's fine. Mm, yeah, like, we don't really care. There we get a little brief Yara cameo. Yeah, and Gendry. Mm-hmm. And Gendry, and Gendry yeah. because he's House Baratheon, of course. Yeah. And mm-hmm. oh, it's that new Dornish prince we learned so much about right. three episodes ago. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> Honestly, like I. They had to have Dorn there, but it was a bit of a knife twist for me because I'm just so upset with what they did with the Dornish plot. It's like they could have yeah. just skipped Dorn altogether if that's how they were going to treat Dorn. Yeah. Not well, hired they, the perfect yeah. actor to play the prince. Alexander oh, no, no, today. No, no. No, I, I, I'm not well, bitter. Yeah. I'm very bitter. <laughs> now, and, yeah, and I that, mean, sorry. It's fine. I don't think I saw Braun in the lineup, which I think they did yeah, to no, make it well, a shock when he shows up in the. Yeah, I yeah. think that's exactly why. Um, well, also, I think he would not yet have been given High Garden. Right. I think the only way that happened is after Tyrion was established his hand. I, uh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree yeah, that, no one yeah, else would that, have done it. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I agree still, though, yeah. that. Saving that surprise for Braun was deliberate, though, for sure. Yeah, that was nice. I liked it. Um, so Mike says, Who is the guy they told to sit down? That was Edmure. Mm-hmm. That was Edmure Tully, yeah. the Duke's yeah. brother. Yeah, that's yeah. gotta be a meme that's yeah. gonna pay off. Yeah, I have a political Horus. meme with uh, never mind. Yeah, the Eye of Horus <laughs> says it didn't make sense that Arya was there, Stark's got two votes. 
Uh, and Paulette says, would you tell Arya she couldn't be there? Mike says <laughs> Arya was there to keep the peace with her sword. Um, yeah. If you yeah, notice, I don't think she voted. Yeah. If you notice in the voting, none of the Starks voted. Well, Sansa would have voted, but then she basically declares her independence instead. Mm, But I I think also, like, it wouldn't have, like, it's one thing if it was going to be a tie and, like, the extra, an extra Stark vote made the difference or something like that. But that's kind of not how it played out anyway. So I think she was there because she was interested in what was going to happen. It doesn't necessarily mean that she had the same voting rights as Sansa Mm -hmm. did. I think also at that point the head of their house is in jail. Yeah. So there's no clear head of the house. So it's the remaining Starks were there. Well, here's an, here's a question. I can't remember for sure. There was certainly talk of Daenerys officially re-legitimizing John as a Stark and not a snow, but I don't think she ever actually got around to it. Did she? I don't think it was shown. I don't think so. So, I don't think that she did. I think though that John being voted king in the north, yeah, uh, basically yeah. he didn't need to well, be legitimized. So I agree, but I I was just guessed maybe drawing the fine distinction between king in the north versus head yeah. of House Stark, right. yeah. which is I feel like that's perhaps a distinction though. without a difference. <laughs> no, yeah. I think yeah, that's so, been Sansa um, for a while. Yeah. Um, I do, I do think though, that it was like Sansa was essentially doing things, but John was definitely the figurehead, uh, right. of, of, yeah. of the Stark house. Uh, Bran did not want it, uh, <laughs> says I'm not a Stark anymore. You know, there's all of that. And, yeah. You know, sexism. Well, and it's, you know, it's, it's interesting, obviously, given what happens that, you know, like this idea that maybe he, he knew what was all going to play out. And I think that actually led some has led some people down a little bit of a, a, a spiral of speculation that I don't actually think is merited by what we saw, which is this whole idea of like, well, if he actually could see the future, is it actually sinister that he allowed all of this death to happen just so he could take power? And I'm saying, well, that's one way you could look at it, but we could also just say he was Dr. Stranging it. And this was the best yeah. outcome that could be achieved. So uh, Paulette says, and you figure by this time, everybody has probably heard that he's a Targaryen. Yeah. Um, except it doesn't seem to be that way because well, nobody, nobody says anything about it. Yeah. I, I had the impression. I thought that was weird. I had the impression, even though they didn't actually say, but like kind of what my gut was telling me is that it was probably more or less an open secret, if nothing else, like everybody there knows. But here's the thing is, I don't think anyone there, not a single person in that gathering felt like, oh, obviously he should be the king because he's actually the Targaryen. There is nobody there who held that opinion. Yeah, that wants a Targaryen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's no Targaryen throne anymore. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, Mike says, wouldn't Bran have more of a right as a Stark since John is now actually a cousin? That was actually pointed out by Tyrion. Yeah. Tyrion said, Lord of Winterfell. And Tyrion, uh, uh, not Tyrion, sorry, Bran said, I'm not a Stark. Not anymore. 
So mm-hmm. that's what we're going off. Um, yeah. Mike also says apparently the only benefit of being a Targaryen was not getting eaten by a dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one. As benefits go, <laughs> that's you know, a good benefit. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, paid off. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think that um, I, yeah, uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. Go ahead. We get a uh, Sam suggesting democracy, which that was a great. Yeah. Uh, well, fan you know, theory like, shut down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that like, was me. At dealing with it as like making such a joke of it, like I didn't hate it, but I couldn't help but feel like that's a that's a dark joke, really. I mean, one percenters. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well, see, on the one hand, within the world of the show frankly it's laughable only because not because it wouldn't be good but because the people who currently would have the power would say that's stupid why would we ever do that right and so i how do i know these people who should i know speaking yeah yeah Yeah. Um, and so anyway (laughs) i was cheering it i absolutely loved it and i was waiting for sam to say and for that matter why should it be a king why can't it be a committee you know why don't we have like a governing body and i was Mm -hmm. like all there and their reaction to it it makes sense but i'm like i'm with sam yeah but here's my thing i could see they choose who leads now can feed into one day establishing and Bran's going to live a long time. He's a three eyed Raven. Mm -hmm. So I could see, you know, 50 years, a hundred years, them establishing a new form of government. And that would make me very happy. Uh, There are a couple things that they left open-ended that I can still speculate about. And and Mm -hmm. that makes me happy. Um, Teal Wolf came to the chat. Welcome back. I'm so glad you joined us for the last episode. Mm -hmm. Said Jan Royce was the one, the father of Waymore Royce, which was the crow that died to a walker in episode one. Thank you so much for those names. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I loved it. And, Honestly, their reaction, what should I give my dog a vote to, really tells you what the lords and ladies think of the small folk. And I, the one time I want a reaction, they don't give it to me because there's somebody on that council there that was small folk up until two episodes ago. Why didn't they see a reaction from Gendry? Like, no, that, that sounds legit. I well, also Yara, who's from a place that literally does Kingsmoot, which is essentially yep. people, everybody voting. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, where's Yara's yeah. reaction? And I'm going to get steamed about Yara later in a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not well. reacting, but yeah. But well, we just don't I, have enough time for that kind of discussion. Uh, well, like, you know, the, I mean, uh, the show didn't. No time for a Kingsmoot. Yeah. yeah, I agree. You're right. Well, the show. so what I will say that, like, about the 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 proposition of Bran, I was astounded because I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I thought that even just trying not to speculate, that I had kind of played out all the different options, and honestly, I had never considered this. Somebody and had yet, said it to me, and I said, "That's impossible." He's the three-eyed raven. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing is that I, I've i definitely seen some people criticize it because they're they're wanting to say, 
other people have just as good a story as his brand. Like, why is it not Santa? Why wasn't it not so-and-so? And, and I'm saying the problem is brand does have a good story, but the thing is the reason he's the perfect choice in the circumstance is he is the one that everyone would agree to. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because you say, if you try to say Sansa, because we think she's got a great story and would be a good leader, does that mean that everybody else is going to agree to that? No way in hell. Mm. Not to mention the fact that Sansa doesn't want that. She wants the winter uh, North to be yeah. separate. Right. Yeah. So I think that Bran having already separated himself mentally from the Stark family, obviously mm-hmm. still having connections there, but like, you know, why do you think I came all this way? It's such a perfect response to that. Right. <laughs> it's like, that's it's another thing that's been a meme too, by the way, yeah. um, which is great. But um, <laughs> I was, that was one of the things that really kind of had my jaw drop because it was this recognition of both. Not only was it something that I had not even predicted as a possibility, much less considered to be likely, but it also kind of really makes sense. Because, you know, some people have uh, also criticized this, like, well, they, they make a, a big deal about how he can't have children, which I want to come back to in a second, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and say, but that just means they're kicking the can down, you know, down a few years is that next time it's just going to be a succession war again. Like, even if they say the committee's going to pick, they're going to all want it to be them. If you, as soon as you don't have a perfect person anymore, it's just going to be fighting again. But I think one of the things that makes that a little bit different is that you are in a position where you actually are going to have the person in charge for probably a while actually is invested in having that continue and would be working towards this idea of we're going to try to, you know, he's, he's calm. He's committed to this new approach. He can see the freaking future and, (laughs) And maybe he's going to try to help that process along. You know, it's a little bit like one last time in Hamilton, you know, it's yeah. George Washington is like, we're going to teach him how to say goodbye. You know, it's like you have to you know, have the person who's willing to relinquish the power to do it first to show that anyway. So Paulette says, Bran has all the dirt on everyone there. Yeah. Past, present and future dirt. Yeah. Dan D says, Bran's dispassion might be his greatest asset. And I yeah. think, of all of my nitpicks about Bran should not be king. That is why I believe that he is perfect to be king right now is mm-hmm. because he is not emotionally tied. He is, he is not, he doesn't have these selfish motivations. He doesn't have revenge. He doesn't have, um, lust for power. He doesn't have all of these things that mm-hmm. like, really, I mean, he looked at the guy that threw him out the window and was like, yeah, the most he did was stare at him. You know, the most he does mm-hmm. it to anyone is stare at them. Um, I think that uh, that makes him the most fitting, the most level-headed. And I can foresee him grooming somebody to yeah. take his place yeah. and and choosing a successor. Yeah. Um, and again, I think also the fact that he's the three-eyed raving, raven, um, he he's going to have a lot of time to establish uh, a government that and, and, and find somebody and using his three eyed Raven powers, the way that the old three eyed Raven found him, he'll be able to find somebody who has 
the least selfish motives and and the right yeah. uh, goals. My big objection is, okay, now that the White Walkers are gone, why hasn't he gone back up to the tree? Isn't that mm -hmm. what the Raven's supposed to be doing? Like, well, if he's no, not necessarily. Be... That tree got destroyed and burned by yeah, the yeah, White Walkers right. when they chased everyone out. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I, I completely mm -hmm. forgot about that. Um, because the and whole there thing is a God's like, wood in King's Landing unless Danny burned it. <laughs> no, Danny didn't burn it. And, and there are other trees, but that tree was special. But the yeah. thing is, it's like, if our stories are so important to us, and that's why the Night King wanted to kill him, and mm -hmm. that's why it's important that the holder of our stories, the argument, I love the memes, I do. I will go all for them. You know, Bran has the most interesting story. Arya steps up. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not that he has the most interesting story. It's that he has all the stories. He is the story mm -hmm. keeper. And that's why he's important. Yeah. Tyrion's just telling right. the world his important story. But I think that... Um, where was I going? Oh, that I thought the three-eyed raven was supposed to be completely disconnected from the world in order to be, um, you know, the keeper of the stories. I'm going to hope that maybe he uses this whole being a king thing as finding the next three-eyed raven and that that'll mm -hmm. be the next person that can then um, take over not just the three-eyed raven, but also being in charge of the council that, that mm -hmm. actually runs the kingdom. Uh, the Eye of Horus says, I wonder what Bran's plan for Drogon is when he said he was going to try and find him. Oh, there's so much headcanning there for me. Yeah. Mike McCauley says, Bran be creeping. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, uh, another meme that I did see uh, that I thought was funny is, once again, a great old one has used its eldritch powers to manipulate the wills of mere mortals to seize power. For, uh, yeah, yeah, to the coming thousand years of darkness. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, there's there's so much fun. There's so uh, much yeah. fun in this. Um, I will, I, you know. So just the idea that, like, I that's one of the things. You know, I I was so pleasantly surprised throughout much of the episode, but to really pull off something like that, I. I can I can hardly think of a story that has done that for me where it something really feels like I had no idea. I did not see that coming at all, even as a possibility. And yet, now that it's been suggested, it seems perfect in some respects. But like it's it's like what you were just saying, Nutty, is that it's not that she does have the best story. Mm -hmm. It is a story that is the sales pitch to the realm yeah. for why this guy should be king. And also he is a person that we can all agree on. He is pepperoni on the pizza. <laughs> yeah. Right. He is like. No you know, more wars with this guy. Well, or at least fewer, hopefully. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah. there's not anybody yeah. that will start a war over brand being king where they right. would, if it were someone like, I think they would revolt against Tyrion being king, for yeah. instance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so oh, go ahead. No, I, I was I was going to move on to the next bit, which is that you know they're all doing the vote, but then Sansa is bucking the trend and mm -hmm. gets permission. Oh, did you have so, something? Yeah, I wanted to go back just a okay. little to the Edmure thing. I <laughs> loved every bit of that, and yeah. I I think it's more than just comic relief. I think one part of it is. Who's this guy? Oh, there's fish there. Okay, that is Edmure. Um, mm -hmm. 
but I am trying to talk about his great achievements. And we're all like, dude, you spent all the wars like as a prisoner with your wife. Um, you couldn't even light your father's funeral pyre. Like <laughs> yeah. what? Oh, Eddie. We meet him. Yeah. Where the blackfish is chewing him out for losing a bunch of men taking a windmill that they don't have any use for. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. And then Sansa just, uncle, sit down. <laughs> and that to me just kind of sets the tone. And it, it kind of quashes pretty much any of these other upstart lords uh, who might think, oh, maybe I should be in charge, are going to just sit there and go, oh, that tall redhead, she's going to shade me right out of this. I can't stand up. I can't. She's just going <laughs> to shut me up. And uh, I just I thought that was such a masterstroke. Um, mm -hmm. That is one of my highlights. So yeah, they're good. voting. Uh, it was nice to suddenly see him again and just go, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. last yeah. saw him he when did. he uh, worked with Jamie to uh, allow the Lannisters to take his ancestral home. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, without loss of life, mm -hmm. but, well, except for the Blackfish. I guess the Blackfish died. Yeah. yeah. So technically speaking, when Brienne wrote in the book that Jamie managed to take River Run without loss of life. It's not 100% true. But anyway. And Dandy <laughs> says, and then when Edmure turns to sit down and his sword gets caught yeah. on the chair, it's because he it's, doesn't know how to use a sword. It's yeah. just there for Dandy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. That was great. Fantastic. Right? Yeah. Um, but so like one of the other sort of like common points when um, – <laughs> in this is, you know, when Sansa decides that, you know, like, Hey, I, I said it to Daenerys before, and it's not that I'm, I'm not changing my mind about it. Now, when the North picked John to be the King in the North, there was an understanding that it was for the specific purpose of, we don't ever want to be ruled by anyone else again. And so we're not going to do it now. And then they kind of get the go ahead to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's where, it would make sense in theory for Dorne and the Iron Islands, especially to say, um, is that allowed? Yes, we're doing that, that now? Yeah. This, yeah. this is my big anger. There's no reason for the Iron Islands to be part of the Six Kingdoms. There is no reason for Yara to go, okay, she can be king, can can be ruler, but I can't. There's, there's no, like, the yeah. Iron Islands aren't even part of the continent. They have a completely different culture, a completely different structure. But it they don't have any resources. Well, that's what? that's what I was going to chime in. I think that's that's the key, uh, Chooch, is that their whole way of life was 100% dependent on raiding because they don't, the islands are not self-sufficient. Yeah. And yeah. so if they're not going to be permitted to continue raiding, which is part of what Yara had agreed with Daenerys. And so theoretically it's, it's not still on, but you know, is it? So the point is that perhaps if she is committed to not continuing this raiding lifestyle, they do actually need support yeah. from the rest of the kingdoms. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, <clears throat> and then Dorne, I mean, they've, 
been pretty, especially in the show, pretty independent. They have their own industry. Mm -hmm. It takes a a long trek to get to them. And they've never given up their titles as princes So and princesses. So, I mean, it just, to me, that's my big nitpick that they're not like, I mean, because especially going back to the Iron Islands, I just want to say, like, that's been their whole thing. Their yeah. whole thing from get-go. The reason why Theon was there is because they tried to be break off and be independent. Well, yeah, but one of the big lessons of the series was how stupid they were for trying to this become independent. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It was a huge mistake. Saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then, you know, to see Bran who didn't pay any iron price. But uh yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah. so I, those I, are my big nitpicks. I'm gonna hand wave it yeah Yeah. but it pissed me off like even if it doesn't make sense and story-wise and especially in the show you're stupid enough that i think she would still argue i think this is an example though of something where people might call that a plot hole but i would say it's not a plot hole we just don't see a scene where they talk about it right yeah for all we know there had already been back channel negotiations and the reason they didn't say anything is cuz they already understood that there was going to be certain arrangements being made or maybe they just figured it was not the time and they're going to bring up separate arrangements later it doesn't matter really yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not the story that we're interested in right now. So why waste time on it? And so when you're I, talking I, about Brexit, nobody cares if Greece and France still want to be in the EU. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I dig that Sansa stood up and was like, "Yeah, I don't care that you're my brother. I still want to be independent." Mm-hmm. And I think that that you know is cool. I think it's more of a payoff for book readers. I'm not sure. Maybe Chooch, you can tell me if that feels like it's earned or a payoff. But I just feel like there's so much in the book about how the North was the last to bend the knee and they really are separate. And, you know, mm-hmm. and by the way, Winterfell is now officially Canada. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. But what about North of Winterfell? You still got you know, north of the wall, wildly yeah, going the back up there. And, the tree north. Well, yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know if we're if we're done with that scene. Are we ready to move on to John learning his deal or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. well, maybe we can just briefly touch on the idea of Tyrion as hand and this idea of him kind of saying, you know, I used to feel like I would be good at that, but <laughs> I'm not so sure anymore. And yeah. I liked Bran kind of saying, that's why you're going to work extra hard to fix all those mistakes. Yeah. And Tyrion's yeah. just like, well, pff, okay. This that is doesn't, doesn't sound fun anymore. <laughs> I like that him being the hand is his punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That, that is justice. Like you can see Grey Worm like, wait, what? Are you yeah. kidding me? Well, but that's honestly, justice. you know, Grey Worm really got the short end of the stick in this episode because they wrote the last couple of episodes setting up like, to be fair, yeah, he's pissed that Missandei got killed. We're, we mm-hmm. all were. We liked Missandei, too. We liked them together. It's a huge bummer that she's dead. But at the same time, they basically wrote him to be a bloodthirsty jerk ever since. And that's kind of a bummer. And even yeah. in this scene, it's like it's clear that he has enough 
tactical and diplomatic awareness to realize that a council of this type was necessary rather than mm-hmm. him just doing whatever he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And I, lo- I really appreciated that he got a grace note later, mm-hmm. but like up through this scene, all he really got to do was stand there and scowl and feel like, yeah, like I don't like any of this. And yet you guys are all talking about this as though I have no say. Yeah. I will say the one thing that I did like about Grey Worm in this scene is when they offered the Unsullied the Reach. And he's like, we don't need to be paid. Like, like he's insulted. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really good because it's like, you think that we did all this for your land? Like, that's not what we were doing here. And you think that you can compensate us for everything we've done, we saved you from the White Walkers. We saved you from Cersei. We have been there. And you're like, oh, here's some land that nobody's using. Well, no. and, and that's where maybe some of the others are going. And you're also a war criminal who slit the throat of bound, surrendered yeah. soldiers on the street after the fighting was over. Yeah. But I mean, I I <laughs> give him credit for saying, no, that's not what yeah. we're here for um you know i i i like his grace note i like that they go off and they do what they need but i it, the unsullied were used mm-hmm. the dothraki were used yeah i mean i think that that mm-hmm. was the one piece that like they dealt with everything with danny but it really just they didn't ever fully grapple with that issue of taking these two armies that are people of color compared to the Westerosi mm-hmm. white people. And they didn't ever actually deal with those issues in a meaningful way. And it left some real awkwardness. Like when we yep. noticed that the battle of Winterfell in the long night, it's like, yeah, let's put all them on the front lines as the cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly we're going to make them, the savage invaders from the other foreign yep. lands yeah. and all of that stuff. And they really never like other than gray worm, who was great for a long time. Uh, they never established really any personality or any motivation for yep. any other gra- unsullied person. And uh, likewise, you know, the Dothraki became a mob that followed Danny yep. because she's strong. And so, the show really didn't handle that aspect well, even here at the end. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Um, I was watching a, an old interview with uh, George at Brown University earlier today. Um, it just came up on my YouTube recommendations. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and this has nothing to do with this episode, but maybe has more to do with how the Unsullied were set up and how the Dothraki were set up and everything um, was that like, for instance, when Danny uh, liberates the people of Marine in the books, it's multicultural. It's diverse. It is not. She's liberating a bunch of Brown people. She's liberating all different types. And it was, he was modeling that off of like the Romans, how they would take slaves of their, the, the people that they conquered or you know how uh, after a war athenians would take spartans as slaves or vice versa and so forth and he said but when they were filming it they filmed it in morocco and yeah. they put a call out for extras so that's what it looked like 
And then it continued to set the tone. Now, one could say it was completely innocent, but then they kind of leaned into it. And then they right. made a point of it at the begin at the very first episode of this season. Yeah. And they did nothing with it. So it's like they went out of their way to say, yeah, we know this is an issue. Yeah. We're just going to continue to say, yeah, it's all bad. <laughs> like, well, I just, e- uh, even even with the grace note that Grey Wind gets yeah. at the end of this Grey Worm, not Grey yeah. Wind, excuse me. Um <laughs> Uh, even with the grace note that he gets, it still kind of makes the sum total of the show's addressing of that issue as they will never be at home in Westeros and really should go back across the sea. Yeah. Like Westeros can't take immigrants apparently. Yeah. So that's not great. And like, even like the, the whole incident with the extras that you mentioned is so illustrative because on the one hand you could say it's innocent because it wasn't malicious, but what you could also say it was thoughtless and yeah. uneducated. And that's, that's been kind of a, <laughs> a theme in this show. They were not giving very much consideration to those yeah. issues. Yeah. And that's how those sorts of accidents happen because they're not paying attention these are the same anyway. people that yeah. thought a reunion should turn into a rape that never existed in the books. You know, I mean, there's well, there's and all the, sorts of things. And the, <laughs> the, the, the messed up thing about that example is that even when the episode aired, they're like, what are you talking about? No, it was consensual. Consensual. And we're like, she's saying, watch your no, own no, scene? no. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, well, you know, you can kind of see how, like, right at the end, she kind of starts kissing him back. It's like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not even, like, okay if it was, like, a, a movie from the 1930s, you no, know, no, with no. a, oh, yeah. smack, smack, so, and, uh no. Right. So that's a perfect example of one of those things where, from a story perspective, you kind of just have to have in your head that the show did not intend that to be a rape which is stupid because the way it looks, it's clearly a rape. And so it's, it's one of those yeah. places where you really have to just say, okay, clearly that's not what they meant. And so the execution was bad, but so now we have to just say, when we're talking about the relationship between Jamie and Cersei, we need to not. Yeah. That's not going to be that my that point, because, yeah. but I don't yeah. care what anyone says. That was a rape. Well, um, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. as shown on the scene, yeah. it's so clear that it's stupid for them to try to play dumb about yeah. it, but, absolutely. but in any event, but um, it happens everywhere. Tangent. And as Paulette right. says, they're just tone deaf. And again, yeah. I think it's important that we point these things out because we yeah, can say we absolutely. love things mm-hmm. and we know that there are, huge problem right well and so like to go ahead and, and cap off our discussion with with gray worm then um when we you know they left him sort of seething right and then when we see john walking out to the boat and we see gray worm there i actually really liked the way they played it all out because when we see him at first it sets up this fear in us that it's like oh no is Grey Worm going to do something here? Is yeah. he so mad about this outcome that he's maybe going to try to kill John anyway? But then it's revealed that no, he's actually at the docks because they're going to go. They're going to go to the Sundays home, just uh, like he had talked about doing with yeah. with her. Yeah, which is lovely. I do want to point out, uh, in in addition to what Christiana was talking about before. 
um about how the unsullied is like completely separated and not really a character davos says his name in valerian and then says did i get that right which means he's never thought to call this man by his name before <laughs> he's never like the, he's been with Daenerys for how long well mm, davos was really more with um john yeah but as long it as it was john's yeah, guy that's true. that's true but like i don't think <laughs> i think to me that to me that pointed out that nobody has called him by his name except miss sunday yeah. and danny and he's never really talked to by any of the other people. He's not a character in that council's world. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like it felt like a nice, graceful exit. That very last moment of it feels kind of nice for Grey Worm as a character and through him indirectly, apparently thousands of other people who all yeah. want the same thing, I guess. Um. Uh, I I liked that exit for him, even as I think we can all acknowledge that the show's handling in general of that army was not great. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. I have Horace says, I hope he's ready for those poisonous butterflies in Noth. And like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think they'll be okay. They'll be fine. They got armor. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> So John, uh, as the compromise, John is spared execution, but has to mm-hmm. go to the wall. Um, and I saw people confused, like, what? Oh, he's automatically going to be Lord of Commander? And I just kind of thought, yeah, who's left? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, like, literally. Of course he is. Yeah, like, it's like you, he's going like, to reestablish you, you, it because there's probably yeah. nobody there right now. Yeah. I did yeah. like what Tyrion said. <laughs> We're always going to need a place. Yeah. For yeah. bastards and thieves, like <laughs> unless we execute mm-hmm. people that are thieves, you know, or people mm-hmm. that we don't deserve an execution, unless we execute all of our criminals, what are we going to do with them? We need to have something mm-hmm. that we can do, and that's what the wall is going to be. And uh, honor and yeah. being there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although there is a little, there's. A, a te- you know, this is a, another one of those things where a teeny element of a pr- probably unintended thing of just kind of like, like the the question of what the criminal justice system is. Cause like yeah. we established that like not everyone who got sent to the night's watch was sent there for like legitimate reasons, right. Right. you know? And so like the, 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 the underside of what Tyrion says, you know, we'll always need places to send those people is kind of like, we'll always need to send a place to send people who are politically inconvenient (laughs) for whatever powerful person has a problem. And, you know, and that, that starts getting into questions about like real world political things about mass incarceration Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, but I mean, I suppose, you know, they just don't have like prison, but they've kind of like made that prison except, and this maybe jumps ahead to like John's actual ending is I don't mind some degree of ambiguity, but I feel like they really didn't make it clear what the plan was because Mm -hmm. I think you had just as many people think, 
okay, well, John is now the new Lord Commander and he is escorting the wildlings, wildlings who want to go back north of the wall. He's escorting them up. Um, and then he had just as many people say, nope, he's going with them to stay. He's going to be the new king beyond the wall. And I'm like, well, I guess I can't really say either way because the yeah. show does not make it clear show at all. It doesn't tell us, yeah. It, and then it, the question is, so is it a Night's Watch or is it just, you know, the traditional, the the historic version of Australia, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, yeah. prison colonies uh, right. and so forth. Uh, Paulette says, I like John's comment. Is there still a Night's Watch? And I think that was put in there because that's what the viewers are thinking. Yeah. <laughs> We're all thinking, the what? Yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, like to some extent, I think it is, it's a real valid question because the, even though ostensibly the long historical version reason for the night's watch was against the white walkers. Mm -hmm. But uh, then what it became, because everyone started to, you know, the white walkers had been gone so long, everyone thought they were a myth. What it became is defense against the wildlings. But even though it's, you know, there's a big gap in the wall and the wildlings could come through that way if they wanted. Um, And we've kind of had a, an amnesty, so to speak of it's okay for wildlings to be south of the wall if they want. Some of them clearly want to go home, you know, to where they think mm-hmm. of as home. Um, but nonetheless, the idea that the existence of the wall makes for a border and that at least to some extent, it does still make sense that you need to have some sort of an organization. Yeah there Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean that it has to be the same type of military law enforcement type of structure that it had before but just something to kind of just say there's potentially still political tensions between the people who live south of the wall and the people who live north of the wall and so it's not a bad idea to have someone there to try to put out fires as they might come I think there's something to be said for just resuming the the things from before that didn't cause harm, that caused people to feel mm-hmm. reassurance. And, you know, most of the wildlings have gone back or whatever, but people are still going to fear them because they don't, yeah. you know, old habits die hard kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And when you've dealt with these rumors or they will be dealing the common folk of, you know, King's Landing and the rest of the Westeros anyways, when they hear the stories of the Night King, it's going to sound like, you know, grumpkins and snarks Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so it's terrifying to be be afraid of something that powerful and that unknown. So be afraid of the wildlings, you know? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so there's having that routine and that, come back at least initially and then maybe change to something else that makes more sense. Like you're saying, I think it all is just one of those things. It's kind of like why it was important to elect a King that was acceptable by everybody. It's like, Oh, here, let's just get all of these systems running again. It'll all be good. We'll get the brothels up and running. We'll get, you know, all the ships going. We'll get the master of war. It'll be great. And everything will look normal and people will feel better and they'll go back about their lives again. I don't think anybody in the continent would truly believe there were white walkers. Yeah. I think, I think at one point people will think that the night King 
was like Mance Raider, you know? I mean, it, it was, yeah. it was it Daenerys was a, Targaryen yeah. who broke through with her dragon. Yeah, the, the number <laughs> of people who literally saw a White Walker with their own eyes is vanishingly small. That are small. still alive. Right? You, know, you, have, you have another larger group of people who saw whites at least, but not necessarily the White Walkers. Um, but then you're going to have an awful lot of people who didn't see any of that. They just know that there was a big war. Mm-hmm. And then there yeah. will be children and their yeah. their children's children mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah. Much like the way the series started where, oh, yeah, yeah, the others, because they're stories that old Nan told, you know, and right. they're yeah. not real, but yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Mike McCauley says, is it a stretch to think that the last two surviving direwolves foreshadowed how their human counterparts ended up? Nymeria turns away from Arya to go her own way, and Ghost ends up with the watch up in the north. Yeah. 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 I love it. Um, On the note of uh, Ghost, (laughs) I have to say that when everybody was so mad that John didn't uh, give Ghost good boy pats when he left him before, and I was one. Um, of those people, the showrunners had to be high fiving right. behind the scenes because yeah. they yep. knew, like, oh, people are so mad, but we have the payoff coming. It's going to be so great, and it yep. was. Yep. And I'll admit, <laughs> the CG looked a little cheesy. Yeah, it's true. It's Look. true. It looks like there's speculation of you know, you know, they were back there. Hurry up, hurry up, get this in, put it in. <laughs> But yeah, right. <laughs> I still think like it could. He still could have given him good boy pats. I think that you know, Ghost should have just turned his back on him. But that's just, <laughs> right. He wouldn't. Have uh, yeah, Argos are perfect, and I'm not. No, because um, they had this and, connection. They had the the telepathic yeah. connection. No, along. even though John doesn't deserve Ghost, mm-hmm. we know that Ghost still loves John, and yeah. Ghost will be happier with John there. And them all going and being up north yeah. of the wall instead of trying to do something else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Paulette says uh, the most of the people that saw the whites are on the ships heading east, which yeah. is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, also the, the, this ending with John lets the show end the way that it started. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Rangers heading into the north, heading north of the wall. I will say that although I certainly understand the dramatic shot of having people walk away and then having a door, the door closed to like close the shot. Like I can understand the visual impact of a shot like that. I think thematically I would have liked it more if they sort of made a point of not closing the gate. I agree. I agree. I didn't understand that. I, I, I mean, what are we stopping? Like wolves and stuff? Because all the really scary things like the mammoths and the, the giants, they've been all turned and killed. Well, yeah. anything can just go, you know, bust a little. And yeah. So I wish they had around. done that, especially because yeah. when we, again, when we talk about probably unintended, but accidental yeah. implications is that although I certainly like the idea that we have these wildlings where North of the wall, that's their home. That's where they want to be. And they were really only leaving because they were being driven out by this threat. Mm -hmm. And so having them go home feels right in that sense. Mm -hmm. 
But again, like the Dothraki and the Unsullied, what we have done is tell a story where everybody's happier if those immigrants just go back where they came from. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's like, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, we, you have to know they didn't set out to tell that story on purpose. And yet. And yet they did. You know, yet, I mean, yeah. but for their upcoming series, Confederate. Mm -hmm. oh, that yeah. everybody was Your clamoring of for. These delicate issues are such <laughs> good evidence to suggest that they would be. They just wouldn't the have been building bridges to, to some kind of certain mindset. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so, um, <laughs> I totally uh, thought John is heading north, and he's not looking back. This is one vow he's not going to keep. He's got the true yeah. north in him. He I, doesn't need any of this anymore. He's gone. I, I could certainly believe that, but mm -hmm. again, like the yeah. show doesn't give us anything <laughs> either way. So it's like, mm -hmm. so um, Dan D says it also juxtaposed the dead walking South and the living are walking North. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then getting to the show didn't tell us. So tech has not been watching game of Thrones since Theon's torture. I give him highlights and clips and keeps him apprised of it. And today he said to me, I, I, I've heard some theories and I want to know your thoughts. And everyone that he asked me, I gave him my thoughts. But I also said, if that were the case, the show didn't tell us. The show <laughs> didn't tell Like these theories are fun and I could explore all of them. And you know what? You see me at a con. You want to talk with me someday. We can sit down and we can explore all these crackpot theories. I am down for that. I am okay with that. I will do that till the crows come home. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, we've seen the finale. If the show didn't tell us that, then it's just your headcanon at that point. Yeah. And, Which is and, fine. Headcanon yeah. is cool. Headcanon is cool. And it's all great and fun, but it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, but they meant to do this. And they, mean, but if they didn't put it in, it, yeah. they didn't, they didn't actually mean it because they would have put it in. If that's what they meant, you could say that they ha may have meant it and failed at execution. We've said that a lot, Yeah, but well, they got to put it in. There's also this weird tendency uh, lately with, you know, it could be this show, it could be the Avengers uh, or whatever, but this weird phenomena where a story feels like it's been told in a satisfying way. And then the, the authors or the showrunners or whatever, start going out and giving interview answers where like they take an elegant story being told and they distill it down to kind of a stupid point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then everyone's like, did you understand the movie that you just made? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that what's always happening is that you're taking an sort of an elegant, complex, nuanced story point and you're trying to make it a sound bite. And then the sound bites what goes viral. And that's why it happens mm. like that. This but uh, JK Rowling was the other, I think example yes, of that absolutely. was, I was thinking keeps of that volunteering all yeah. of these random bits of trivia that are really kind of off putting. Like, <laughs> if, if you meant that JK, you would have put that, in the book, you know, um, whatever. But yeah. uh, uh, this reminds me of the big thing where it's like, so in, in this book, you said he had blue eyes, but in this other book, you said <laughs> he had green eyes. And this was a thing that was happening to George. And he's like, what does that mean? And he's like, I, I forgot what color eyes they had, 
I wish I never described anyone's eyes in my books because there mm-hmm. are little details that I forget. And and he actually ended up having to have a uh, continuity person, which is the yeah. people that run um, Westeros.org. Uh, and he's like, okay, check my facts. What am I missing? And then he gives them the proofs before it goes to the editor and then they go, okay, this is what you've messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, and I'm sure, you know, as, as a, as an author that happens, mm-hmm. you know, you it does. Forget. Yeah. I, I didn't write in my story Bible, what color eyes he will add or whatever, mm-hmm. but readers were so passionate and we yeah. read and we devour these things that they end up becoming bigger to us. Well, the and the thing creator. is that lots of times, as fun as it can be to discuss these crackpot theories or these headcanons or whatever, when a show is not finished, it can be fun, but it also very easily can lead to a situation where you have been so convinced of your own theory that you get mad when it turns out that it's not true. Mm-hmm. And then you do a change.org to get people to read you this <laughs> but, but yeah. that, but like nobody did anything wrong to you. Like that, you, you know, when that happens, people do it to themselves unintentionally. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But that's why like, you know, early in this season, especially when it wasn't going well, I kind of talked about how I was really trying to not speculate about what I thought was going to happen. And it's impossible to avoid that completely, but it was because it's like, I, I didn't want to set myself up to come up with something that feels perfect to me only to be disappointed when that's not what they do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of saying, let them tell the story they're telling and take that in. Um, and but again, it's like that's not to say don't speculate, don't come up with these crazy theories. Just keep them in perspective. Mm-hmm. But you know, like a lot of people, you know, mad that their favorite little theory didn't get addressed or didn't turn out to be true or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. Where were we? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, one of the almost the last scenes is the small council. Yeah, which is like oh. pure. Fan candy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So on the one hand, (laughs) I like Braun and I liked sort of the end result, but I just, it does stretch credibility that Tyrion would be able to make Braun the Lord of Highgarden and the Master of Coin, especially when Braun explicitly is a character that is on the record as saying accounting is stupid and boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he loves money. Yeah, he does. So, so if he's going to uh, count anything, he'll, he'll count yeah. gold. The only thing I can think that makes any kind of sense is that Tyrion maybe took this idea to Bran and was just saying, so I had a thought. It's a little out there, but let me put it out just to see see if it can get any traction at all. But um, there's a guy who's very smart and resourceful, and uh, he he understands what it means to 
work for a living? Let me stop I'm gonna you right say, there, Lord Hand. <laughs> right. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. Hold on. You mean Braun? Oh, I know Braun. Yeah. I checked I his I know references. what happened. Yeah. Uh, so this is what I, if, if we're going to argue anything, it's, all right, we'll make him Lord of Highgarden. Somebody's got to be. He's going to hate the accounting part and just give him all of that. Give him everything he's ever asked for and show him how much it sucks. And Bran's like, all right, we could do this. It's one of these. Wait till he starts dealing with debts and loans and interest rate. Oh, he's going to be careful what you wish for situations. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I liked it even though it felt like a stretch to me that it could have been made to happen. Um, but I was Davos has always been one of my favorite characters ever yeah. since he was introduced, even though for such a long time he was following the Danis train, which just <laughs> felt like anyway, but stop Davos has always been great. And I am so happy to see him come out, uh, out of this unscathed and yeah. doing something. He gets to be his grumpy old self master of ships on a small council. I just, I love all that so much. Davos and, is the best and I'm so glad he gets a happy ending. And he gets to be the master of grammar when he didn't even know how to yes! read. Sure he taught I, <laughs> I love that. I love that yes. so much. So mm-hmm. Mike asks, I must've missed something. What was the whole thing with Tyrion straightening the chairs just to have everyone mess them up? This goes back to Tyrion. Tywin. Was yeah, but Tywin Tyrion and Tywin. Yeah. Setting up the chairs and uh, Tywin sets everything up. And then Tyrion drags the chair, yeah. and it's this long, prolonged. Right. Cersei well, and Pycelle, they all did a whole little dance to sit closer to Tywin, and I think he yeah. really wanted to see people fight to sit closer to him and be his right hand. And exactly, I have yeah. the wrong crew. <laughs> I have. I attribute this to uh, to a change in Tyrion's approach to this whole thing, and so like. Coming from, you know, the uh, various performing things that I've done, like theater or improv or whatever, you know, stage fright is a thing. Um, But what I've always kind of, the way I've always approached those feelings is to say, you're feeling these feelings because you care about how it turns out, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so... You should use that energy to try to do any remaining preparations that would be helpful, but otherwise think of those feelings not as a bad paralyzing thing, but as a reflection that this is something you care about and it means something to you and use that. But it's nonetheless, that's easier said than done and it's nervous energy thing. And so that's what I saw this as is before when Tyrion was hand, he was like, how cool is this? I'm important now. I have power now. I'm going to impress my dad. I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, dab on all these fools. And now it's no, he like actually wants to do a good job, not for his own just power or self-satisfaction, but to like actually do a good job for the job. He cares about it now. And so he's nervous now. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that's what it is, is he's the first to arrive. No one else is there. He wants everything to be perfect. He's a little bit nervous. He's fidgety. And so he goes around to fix all the chairs because it's something to do. That's how I took it. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's because he cares. 
then, of course, Grand Meister Sam comes in with a song of ice and fire. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess, I feel like we never really got the ins and outs of how one becomes the Grand Meister. Because, yeah. like, so in principle, my understanding had always been that the Grand Meister is not, like, not traditionally chosen by the ruler. Right. It is assigned by the Citadel. But, um, you know, that's not to say things couldn't change, but it's mm. also not, I, what I did love is that he didn't have a big, huge chain with lots of links. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He had a little tiny chain. Um, and so that was another one where it's like, I'm happy that he's there and that it seems like a fun place for him to end up, even though the there's a bit of a leap for how that could have been made to happen. I'm willing to make that leap with the show, even mm. if I'm certainly still aware of making a leap. Yeah. <laughs> Pods and Knights, Sam deserves this. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so House of Horror said, wouldn't it be awesome if Sam brought out the book and said, this is the first of seven books. We're still working on the last two. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is also a throwback because when he's at the Citadel, he's mm-hmm. talking to the Grandmaster and he's like, yes, I'm working on this book and I'm calling it the, the wars after the fall of the Targaryens. And Sam kind of makes yeah. a face because what? You don't like the title? He's like, I want to use something a little more poetic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that there were a lot of people who speculated that, oh, isn't it going to be fun when Sam turns out to write a song of ice and fire at the end? And I think the fact that he just contributed to the title of an already existing book that is immediately criticized by Tyrion for not mentioning him um, is, uh, I think that actually fits better. Um, Still kind of gets. Gets at the fun reference with, and but also feels a little bit more <laughs> less pretentious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sam wanted to be a wizard; he didn't want to be a writer. But uh, but then we also have you know Brienne on the small council too, and uh, you know just as so here. This is a perfect example of of something where I saw a couple of people whose opinions I do actually respect who had criticisms of the episode, but in a couple of cases, they had positions on things that I just like, sure it's subjective, but I just really fundamentally disagree with like their take on it. And so they're, what they're saying is things like this didn't feel like an ending. It felt like just the story just stops instead of actually ending anything. And I'm like, well, you want them all <laughs> dead? I mean, if they're not dead, then I'm assuming that we want to find out what they're likely to do next. And isn't showing a little bit of a hint of what their their life moving forward is going to be? Like, isn't that what we want? That's certainly what I felt yeah. like I wanted. Yeah. So to be disappointed that there's not some sort of a profound, like, stopping point for their stories, like, I... I, I thought that was a really weird reaction, but you know, yeah. obviously everyone's entitled to their own feelings about it, but <laughs> I guess if you don't want to wonder any more about these characters, cause you've wondered so much, you, maybe you want them dead. So you don't have to think about them again. <laughs> I don't Seems think that's like a long yeah. stretch for me though. 
Yeah, I think I I I don't think that's what they wanted. I think right, it I was, was more, yeah. Um it's it was more just a matter of I guess they wanted there to be more sort of a thematic conclusion for each story, but I guess mm -hmm. to some extent maybe that's just an expectation thing cuz there's too many stories. Mm -hmm. There's there yeah. there's there's yeah. too many interlocking pieces. You can't give the big thematic uh epic conclusion to everybody. Right. It, so I don't know. I, I would never have expected that to happen. And so I wasn't disappointed by right. it. Um, and so I don't know. It's a matter I, of expectation. Getting back to the whole Sam being Grandmaster, blah, blah, blah. One of the storylines that the show really just cut and never really approached is in the later books, they start talking giving these clues as to like a maester conspiracy and that there really is a lot more to do with the maesters and they just skipped all that. Yeah. <laughs> so I really did not care that yeah. Sam was made grand maester. Like it just, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Paulette says epilogues are usually anticlimactic, but that's really the point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if you look at the, you know, that classic literary like tension graph, right. You know, the rising tension up to the climax and then the denouement, right. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's, but in a story where it's all about world building, like I kind of want to have at least a little bit of a sense of what's next. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be about setting up a sequel doesn't have to be about like leaving loose ends, but I just kind of like the idea that if a character is not dead, then presumably there's a next chapter in their life. And even if that chapter is not part of this story, you know, just a little bit of a, this is where we leave them. So I, 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 I like that. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in any event, I, I liked all that. You know, we already talked yeah. about Brienne's, um, you know, big scene in, with the yeah. book. Um, but just, you know, the idea of that crew bickering around the table mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, Bran showing up and them kind of, you know, messing around. You know, they're not, they don't quite have the routine down with their long May He Rain bit. And sort of like, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get better. And he's just like, I'm sure you will. And, <laughs> and I just, I, I liked all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it worked well. Right. And then, um, and then, you know, Sansa getting to, you know, be, uh, you know, queen the in Stark the North. montage. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like there, I don't necessarily have a lot to say about it. Cause I think we've all been on board with the idea that, you know, Sansa should be a ruler in the North. Like that's, I think we're all on the same page mm -hmm. for a while now. Yeah. So it's nice that it happens. Um, but I don't necessarily have a lot to say about it. No. Yeah. Her dress. Her dress is that her dress, dress. gorgeous. Those sleeves, though. <clears throat> I cannot wait to see the people cosplay Queen Sansa. Yeah. Because that is just like the Weirwood dress. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, she had callbacks to Tully uh, mm -hmm. with the uh, fish scales on the dress. Mm -hmm. And the color was blue, which it was was House Tully as well. It had the the red leaves, like you're saying, from the Godswood. Which mm -hmm. those were beautiful. I mean, those were really, really beautifully mm -hmm. done, and um, and the crown was likened to the um, the one that Cersei made with the two direwolves yeah. on Sansa's mm -hmm. instead of. But what did we notice if she had the the big like 
circle. I didn't see it. She didn't yeah. have that on this time, right? Um, not in that scene. She wore it when she was saying goodbye to John in this okay. last yeah. scene where they were all together. She had it on. Yeah. That's a cool piece of jewelry. Yeah. I am generally immune to fashion stuff like that. Like that <laughs> one, I, I saw it and I was like, I don't know, that corset part looks like it's really tight. I, it was it was just, just really over different. Me beyond that. It was just really different because we had Danny go from the light colors to the black and mm -hmm. we had Sansa go from nearly black all the time yeah. to this yeah. light blue dress. And it was mm -hmm. like, it was really nice. And I think that I read that the, it even had some of the fabric that was used in Marjorie Tyrell's wedding dress. And it was kind mm -hmm. of like a, she had taken something from all these lessons yeah. that she had learned from I, people. I yeah. thought it was I really like neat. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm certainly happy that, that people liked it. I, I guess I'm just, I, I, I don't, I'm too oblivious with fashion <laughs> stuff. I don't well, notice. That's why I'll I'll just share really noticed the, the, I I'll really share just noticed the sleeves, the embroidery and the mm. leaves and all that. And I thought that was, yeah, I, the, the leaves, the leaves were cool. I, I liked the shot of it. Like it wasn't even when she was wearing it though. That yeah. was like the shot of the fabric unfurling before she put it on. For and me as a I, player, I pay attention to costumes because mm. every time I see something like that, I think, how is that going to look in a cosplay? Mm -hmm. And that, I am so excited to see in cosplay. Yeah. Uh, Paulette says the dress was to die for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I love Arya asking what's west of Westeros and going on an yeah. adventure ship. I, I loved well, it. I liked it. Yeah, I think it was appropriate own. for her to be yeah. an explorer. I, I, I had, I, I love it, but there there's, I feel like there's some, complexity to unpack a little bit there. And I want to, I'll come back to that in a second. I did like that the what's West of Westeros, you know, nobody knows, you know, I don't know. Nobody knows. Like that was a callback to, I think it was a, a conversation she had with the actress, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, in, in Bravos. And, um, uh, and so I, I like that. And it's, you know, just as dialogue goes, it's a good exchange, you know, what's West of Westeros. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Nobody knows. That's, that's, just good writing. I like it. Mm -hmm. um, what I will say is the complexity of her doing this is that it feels like this weird combination of two different, like both thematically coherent, but distinct thematic interpretations of what's happening. Because on the one hand, we could say that, you know, following Sandor's advice, she has decided to live her life and not die in the pursuit of vengeance. And what does she want to do? Well, she's never going to be a lady. She, she wants to see new things and have adventures. And that's always the life she wanted. And so she is choosing life by going off and having adventures. She's going to find out things that nobody else knows. And I like that. And it feels right and coherent. But it's also impossible to completely avoid the overlap between like the Lord of the Rings and the idea that the elves and Frodo are going off to the west into the, you know, to fade into the distance because they are, no, it, their time has passed in this world. They can never go back again. And so they must depart. Yeah. Or, you know, so I feel like I can see either of those work. And it 
what happens like overlaps with the two, except that the two don't actually like they both line up with what happens, but they don't line up with each other. And I feel yeah. like it's, it feels agree. a little bit strange as a result. I feel like people are always comparing everything to everything else. And, yeah. and Lord of the Rings is the next logical thing to compare this to. And I well, didn't think of it even for a second. I think Arya's journey is her, is her own. And I don't think she was copying. Well, I don't think I, that the writers were copying anything from Lord of the Rings. I think it's just a great finish for her. Well, and to be fair, George will often make comparisons to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because he reads it so often. And, he, and yeah. the RR that he put in his name well, yeah. Or Tolkien. Well, the, um, the thing is, is like if it's not an intentional reference, it's a hell of a coincidence. Yeah. That a character mm -hmm. that's been through as much as she had and struck the climactic blow to defeat a great evil, but now has seen too much to ever co go home and be a normal person again, and then chooses to go with others into the West to unknown lands, like. I mean, it's it's similar, but I mean, I think yeah, I, I mean it's very similar. Okay, I, I mean, I think that they've been foreshadowing this for seasons for her. Well, they have a long time, and That's so I don't I, even care where it came from. I think it's perfect. Well, no, it's fine. Yeah. Like I don't disagree with that. I'm what I'm saying is I like both interpretations. It's just that both interpretations don't match each other, which feels weird. Yeah. Um, it's I, I, uh, so in the books, I feel like this what's West of Westeros thing is a little more, uh, driving, um, mm -hmm. uh, Brandon Stark, not the one we know, but one of the former Brandon Starks actually took, did Arya's voyage and never came back. Uh, yeah. some Island Islanders, uh, Iron Island Islanders, Iron Islanders, uh, have said that they've gone and seen it, but nobody's sure if they can believe them. I can't yeah. remember. Is it Euron who says that's what he wants to do? <clears throat> one of the, I, one of the big gray joys. It yeah, might be maybe one that's not in the show. Yeah. Um, um I, so the thing is, is like, I feel like if they really wanted to nail down it, the interpretation of it's just about exploring. It has nothing to do with yeah. the Lord of the Rings parallels. Um, if that's what they wanted, what I think maybe they could have done is seed a couple of lines here and there that there maybe actually is reason to believe that there is something out there. Yeah. Whereas for now, we literally have zero idea. And even though it's cool to say nobody knows literally that means is we're going to go off and sail into the ocean for what is possibly nothing. And we have yeah. no reason whatsoever to believe that there is anything that we will ever find out there. And we might all just die at sea. What an awfully big adventure. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> and she By got to pick it. Yeah. So you could also just jump off a cliff. That would be also a big adventure. Yeah. She's kind of <laughs> done that though, when she was running around with the waif yeah. and Bravos. <laughs> yeah. So I don't like, I, so I'm not saying that I hate it. I'm not saying, I'm not complaining about anything. It's more just a matter of there being parallels that seem too on the nose to be a total coincidence. And yet it muddies the thematic waters. Not for me. I'm sorry that's true for you. All right. <laughs> well, you don't have to be sorry. I'm not sorry about it. I'm just interested. <laughs> mm. 
there any other sorry uh, i'm uh there was a question about didn't tywin's brother also go uh go there also and never come back and i'm just looking it up uh kevin it, no kevin was killed by right. the little birds uh garion went on a quest to find house lannister's ancestral valerian steel great sword mm. bright roar and any other treasures that might yeah. have survived the doom of valeria uh and then almost a decade after his ship the laughing lion left lannisport garion never returned so uh, i think that might be what you're thinking of yeah kevin was killed by Varys's little birds in the books not oh. the show he yeah. died at the uh great set. The set you're right when it blew i'm up. sorry <laughs> yeah in the show <laughs> that's all right it 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 yeah these things blur together <laughs> Okay, that wraps the series. Yeah. So you say now our watch is ended. Um. Well, um, the other thing they could do to real, really nail down <laughs> that Arya is going off to have adventures um, is by doing a sequel series of her adventures. There you go. Uh, I was going to say, says, is our watch ended? Because, I mean, there's other shows coming. We don't have to stop watching. Yeah. We don't have to podcast about it, but we don't have to watch. Well, and I, I do think that we're going to reconvene and do a series recap. And No, I just I meant our Game of it. Thrones watch yeah. is ended. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, and yeah. I would yeah. love to come back and yeah. um, <laughs> talk to Chooch after he finishes the oh, books, yeah. each of the books. <laughs> uh, so we've got a couple episodes there. Um, and there's a documentary we can all watch next week. Um, yeah. There's things, and then mm. there's books. Also, uh, uh, for those of you going to be at Balticon, we do have yep. a panel. Uh, we're that'll be do... released. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Paulette panel. says, coming to HBO next year, Arya's Voyage to the West World. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Dan D. Oh. Says, in the end, I kind of feel bad for all the four-year-old girls out there whose mothers named them Khaleesi. That'll yeah, teach you to name characters, name babies after pop culture characters whose stories aren't done yet. Yes, <laughs> and, and we we uh, we actually talked about this before we started broadcasting, and I was like, "You knew what you were getting in for." Yeah, <laughs> like I still feel bad for them. I still well, do. no, I, yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um. They learned a lesson. Khaleesi is better than Daenerys, I think, at this point, though. Yeah. I feel like Khaleesi feels more generic. It's kind of like Queen, you know? Yep, um, I agree. But uh, in the in any event, though, uh, just as a total tangent, how great was that Westworld Season 3 teaser? So yeah. great. So damn <laughs> yeah. great. Oh, man. great. Excited for that. Sneaky. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I was... I was uh, what I was watching it is just, I was really like astounded is like, what is this show that we haven't heard anything about? And it's like, Oh, the reason we haven't is because we have, mm -hmm. it's because it's Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought that was really cool. A whole new but, Westworld. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a lot of great trailers. Cause the, um, the, yeah, they definitely the, uh, packed it in with like, looks pretty good. don't, don't yeah. give up that subscription. All yeah. right. Look at this, look at this shit. Awesome. Watchmen. Yeah, <laughs> we got uh, your watch. Deadwood. We got your Westbrook. Yeah. Deadwood's going to be just a movie, but yeah, yeah. still for sure. That's what I'm um, waiting. I'm for. excited for that. Also, also, just want to say, uh, it's like as we're recording tonight, they're having the third episode of Just Five, but the Chernobyl miniseries is great. It is very good. 
Mm-hmm. Is well, yeah. it's terrifying. Is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not like a, a supernatural horror movie. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's a real it's life horror historical movie. fiction. It's, it's uh, you know historical fiction. It's a you know retelling of real events, but there's some terrifying stuff in that particular history. Man, <laughs> it's really good, but it's super intense. So I, I, yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no. But now that our watch has ended, what yeah. are we rating this? Who has ratings? Uh, Paulette said Chernobyl is horrifying. Yeah. What was the um, name of this? The Iron Throne. The Iron Throne. The Iron Throne. Hmm. Uh. Well, I'll go first, and <clears throat> with the context that's important to keep in mind that my expectations coming in were pretty low. Mm-hmm. For this episode. But given that, I was not just pleasantly surprised, but genuinely impressed with how well they pulled it off, given how bumpy the approach had been. And so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give this one um, nine out. <coughs> Excuse me. Suddenly coughing. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. Nine coughs out of 10. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I came out of nowhere. All right. Um, <clears throat> um, I'm going to just say, I, I don't, I don't want it to just be happy endings. That feels weird. <laughs> um, so what I'm going to say is, uh, um, nine out of 10, um, Funny but banal arguments for the small council to have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chooch. Uh, I uh, similar to me nine out of ten inches of John's steel uh? and Danny's guy. Uh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got people excited. <laughs> it's like well. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, impeccably timed there, Thank by you. the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, because I am still salty that I have to be this relieved that it was so good. I'm going to say 8 out of 10. Um, shit, I don't know. 8 out of 10 something clevers. <laughs> it's late. I got an early flight. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you, Viv. I am giving this eight out of ten smelted iron thrones. Um mm-hmm. I I it was better than I had expected. I went into this thinking, oh boy. Uh and and you know what? It wasn't bad. It was a good finale. I'm happy with it. Uh, it's not my favorite finale, but it's it's up there. It's yeah. not it's not you know it's not even like top three, but it's also it's not even middle ground. You know it's still yeah. up there. Yeah. So I mean finales are hard. Endings yeah, they are, are hard. they are well yeah. and show like this too where yeah. a big part of its claim to fame is that it has just a billion different characters and it's yeah this, exactly this sprawling cobweb of interrelated characters and interactions and history and all that stuff. It's like that is hard to write. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. that's. That's really that's really my thing. Um, so I I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, you know I think an eight out of ten is it's good it's 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 solid it you know uh, it's enjoyable it makes me happy um, there are things I like things I didn't like we're good uh, so overall 
we have collectively rated this 8.5 out of 10. Great. Uh, and um, so for the entire season, we've given a 7.8. Hmm. Out That's of higher 10. than I would have guessed. But right. I guess, you know, the first <laughs> half of the season, we weren't so mad yet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, what, one quick tangent, this is, I, you know, I know we're kind of trying to wrap things up, but I just remembered something that I really meant to address and, and forgot when we were talking about that scene, which is that although I totally understand from a certain perspective, why Tyrion chose the name he did when he offered it, I've seen a bunch of people, uh, disabled people online feeling really kind of upset that brand mm. the broken is the big name yeah. they try to go for. Well, and um, then there's also that brand can't have kids. Well, how do you well, know? <laughs> well, they, they have established on the show that that yeah. was true before. So yeah. like, that's not new information, but it also does kind of, it's not universally true of people who are in wheelchairs, right? Yeah. Like being in a wheelchair mm -hmm. doesn't automatically mean that you exactly. can't have children. And so, uh, you know, it does kind of perpetuate, uh, you know, uh, a, a stereotype potentially with, to address it without, you know, the, the specifics. Um, and then just brand the broken, like how cool is it to say we're going to have, you know, a disabled King, except that they had to kind of taint it by, not brand the seer, brand the raven, yeah. right. brand something. <laughs> it has to be brand the broken. Like, well, and and the thing is, it's like uh, I'm not in a position where I'm like personally offended by that, but I get that point, and I think it's worth talking about. I 100% get that point, and I am not mm -hmm. excusing it in any way. But especially in the books, there's brand the builder. Yeah, it's brand, all... uh, and there's a lot of alliterations with Bran. Yeah, so I think it's leaning into that. But again, this is one of those intention is not the same as impact. You know, yeah. you can go in with good intentions, and in this show, they can go in just being tone deaf and not even thinking. Oh, mm -hmm. what that, might this say to disabled people? Yeah, or to other people about disabled people, which is the uh, real problem. Yeah. I, the eye of Aura says brand, brand the blood raven. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There you go. Um, so Paulette had rated this eight out of ten, stuck the landings after flubbing the freestyle routine. <laughs> nice. We didn't get one from Mike yet, but if he writes one in, we I'll, yeah. I'll add that so, in. So <laughs> like the analogy that I had made to uh, my friend Mike even before watching the finale was that if we want to equate the experience of having watched this whole series as a journey that if we want to use that analogy, if you're making a journey and it's almost to the end and the flight is got a lot of turbulence coming in for a landing and it's really bumpy, that doesn't mean once you're on the ground that you're sorry you took the trip. Yep. yep. And so that's kind of how I felt about it. But uh, how much of a relief was it nonetheless to say, we experienced some turbulence, but then on the whole, we came in for a much smoother landing than we thought we might. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And uh, we'll get into the nitty gritty of this, but if anyone is interested, this season actually, our ratings tie with the worst season. Uh, you know, th this and season five are rated the lowest. But if you think that we rated our two lowest seasons as 7.5, eight out <laughs> right. of ten 
That's pretty well, darn impressive. That says a lot, yeah. Well, yeah, statistically, we are a self-selected population. It doesn't make yeah. for a very good <laughs> sample. Um, we are people the- who have chosen to record a podcast about the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But this is morphed to anybody who says, all I do is complain well, about the show. You know, but the other thing is that, you know, although uh, lots of people are complaining about, you know, this season, it's got it. It's highest ratings ever. Everyone yeah. wanted yep. to see how it finished, even though they were mad about parts of it. And if you watch last week tonight, million. yeah, John Oliver's been like making really fun meta jokes. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite was the other night I was watching it. Is like, yeah, after the finale, this network is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's I had fun. HBO before Game of Thrones. I'll right. have HBO after thinking. There's Game a of lot of people. I <laughs> I am one of those. I got HBO yeah. specifically for yeah. this. I turn my subscription on when the series starts and I turn mm. it off when it's done. I'm going to hang on till Deadwood, but you know what? Keep writing awesome stuff and bring me back HBO. Yeah. <laughs> the, those of you who have HBO Go or access to it should check out Barry if you haven't already. That's another great show that... The first season is okay, like I like it, but second season turns into just some really incredible TV. Did you say Barry? Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's uh, with the Bill Hader, I think is the actor's name, oh, and the whole concept of it is that yeah. he is this, uh, he's a hitman that starts taking acting classes in LA, and he's okay. kind of struggling with you know, all he really knows is killing people, but he's always been kind of really closed off emotionally. And so these acting classes are helping him get in touch with his emotions, which at the same time makes him feel increasingly complicated about his work as a hitman. (laughs) All right. And and the thing is the show is good in the first season, but like I said, second season really starts to do some really incredible stuff. Um, And in particular, there's one episode in season two where, um, it's like a surrealistic masterpiece. It's really amazing. Cool. It's, it's I've never seen anything cool. like it. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have another episode from Balticon in the feed. Yep. Yes, Pay we've, attention. Got live, we've got the live show Saturday night. I'm getting on a plane super early tomorrow. Yeah. So hopefully we'll finish up soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll uh, be uh, at the Balticon yeah. show Saturday night at the, uh, renaissance um baltimore hotel balticon yeah. there is an entry fee to get in but there's so many amazing things so if you can Balticon's come by, great. that's may and 25th I this weekend it's cheap late, compared to Memorial other conventions mm-hmm. sorry Chooch. Right. can you say that again i spoke over that is here. may 25th memorial day weekend this weekend yeah. in yeah. baltimore yes. maryland yeah Viv and I will be there and we'll be guested uh we'll welcome guest stars uh Billy Flynn and uh the Flinstress. Yeah. It will be awesome. And <laughs> as I was saying before, like if you're in the area, go. A day pass is pretty cheap. Uh and com- and don't think of it like other conventions. So many times I've had people tell me like that they always wanted to go to Balticon, but they just couldn't afford it. And then when they actually go, they're like this is all it costs because they yeah. were thinking Dragon Con pricing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, this is not pricing. a Comic Con or Dragon Con pricing. Yeah. This is no big media stars. Yeah, yeah, no big giant media Ooh. stars. Not Be big giant. I'm saying big giant media stars. We're not going to have Cersei Lannister walking around the Harbor Hotel. Maybe in cosplay. 
Oh, definitely in cosplay. She'll be all up over oh, that yeah. bitch. So Paulette will be in the audience. You'll get to talk to some of our, our contributors. Yeah. And uh, it should be fun. And then if they pay attention to specficmedia.com or the Facebook page, they should know when we are going to come back and maybe do a series recap. And uh, yeah, uh, and sometime the next couple few weeks, we'll probably do a, a whole series recap of all yeah. of everything we saw and uh, talk about what's coming up next for us. And we'll talk about our predictions that we stored. Yeah. yeah. We'll leave that as a taste. Who won? <laughs> Who lost? Sounds good. You could just go back and listen to that episode, but you don't want to. You want to hear us talk about it. Yeah. And I've collected some fan theories, two of them. Nice. So there we go. Very All cool. Right. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, you'll be hearing from us very, very soon. <laughs> hey, that's the wrong, wrong one again. <laughs> it's a tradition now. Right? <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> if you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it. <laughs>